0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Speaking at a news conference in Tokyo, President Joe Biden said that the U.S. would intervene with military might should China invade Taiwan, effectively ending... The uh, U.S. Uh, one China policy, our ambiguous stance on whether or not we recognize Taiwan. China, of course, is pissed off. And uh, I, I I don't know if this was a powerful statement from a strong president saying, I'm issuing a red line or a gaffe from an absent minded, broken brained president who is gaffing us towards World War Three. Considering even his own administration is walking things back and the press is trying to cover up for what he said, it seems like Joe Biden is just gaffing us into World War Three. So we'll definitely have to talk about that and uh, the potential risks involved. I, I think err on the I, side I, of GAF
2: with this guy. For yeah. sure.
1: I think China knows that we want to defend Taiwan. I, you know, it's just like now it's out in the open, I guess. Maybe they'll give China some excuses in negotiating power. We also have uh, gas, once again, at record highs. A diesel shortage. Joe Biden wants to tap into the strategic diesel reserves because things are just not looking that good. Monkeypox, Yep, that's a thing, I guess. And Donald Trump retruthed. Which, that's what it's called when you share a truth on Retruting, truth social. He yeah. re-truthed civil war. Ooh. And then the media got went nuts and they were like, Donald Trump is calling for a civil war. This is irresponsible. And then you just need to Google the word civil war to see every leftist saying it's coming or it's already happening. So we have Robert Reich, who's like the second war, second civil war is already happening, but they only get mad when Trump says it. And then all of a sudden they act like they never claimed it was coming. So we will talk about all of that as well as transhumanism. Joining us to discuss that is Joe Allen.
3: Hi there. Uh, very wonderful to be here. Joe Allen. I cover transhumanism at the War Room with Steve Bannon, where we are fomenting the revolt against the modern world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also write for a number of publications, The Federalist, Salvo Magazine, Chronicles Magazine, among others. Cool.
1: Well, we should definitely talk about transhumanism. I love talking about that stuff. So we'll get into all that. Thanks for coming. We got Shim Sham.
4: I'm Seamus Coughlin. I run Freedom Tunes. We actually have several videos coming out this week. Woo. So go over there, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Also, on May 30th, we're going to be officially launching the website. So go over to freedomtunes.com, put your email address in, and you'll be notified when we're up. Ooh,
2: I, uh, what's up everybody? Ian Crosslin over here. He's uh, back. I just came across the country, and let me tell you, I got a taste of that gas price thing. Mm. You like, crossed land. Yeah, I did. I crossed the land. I brought it back, Seamus. Right here with you. Uh, man, that gas, five dollar gallons. That's uh, no joke. It's another reality, man.
1: It's like every time you go to the pump, it's just doing the Kali Ma thing where it rips your heart out. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, and you're like, <laughs> I'm back and I brought it with me. Oh, Ooh. man. We have a, we have a truck that runs on diesel because, you know, sometimes we got to pull the trailer with it and mm-hmm. just, I'm like, let's not use that for the time being unless we absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. So now it's just, you know, we need to go find some junk used electric car or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it dipped for a little while. You know, the, the price of gasoline did
4: go down for a little bit. I was, was hoping that uh, it was going to. St- yeah, st- I, I I figured it would probably end up going back up, but not this quickly.
5: Well, I have bad news. I think that the reason it dipped was because they lifted that gas tax, and that goes back into effect mm. in a f- couple weeks. And uh, they say that gas could rise by thirty cents overnight. So that's really freaking exciting. I'm thrilled about that. The price of plane tickets is going up as well. Mm. We noticed that with your trip. Kind of sucks. Anyway, I'm here too, pushing buttons.
1: I got a message from Luke Ridkowski. He said he was. He's like. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back soon, so everyone can just you know tweet at him and let them know how much they love him and how much he should come back. I think he's gonna end up walking. Yeah, he might. Yeah, <laughs> walking back <laughs> with these yeah. prices? Are you kidding? Yeah, because he's driving diesel. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's gonna be s- six bucks by August. Oh, we'll get into all oh. we'll get into all that before we get started, ladies and gentlemen. Head over to timcast.com, become a member to help support our work. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive segments from this show Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. We'll have a pretty good one up tonight at 11 p.m. as I said, and uh, you'll be supporting our journalists. We've got a couple new people who are going to be coming out soon, potentially hiring more uh, reporters so we can start doing better and better work for you guys. And uh, don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first big story. Joe Biden says the U.S. would intervene with military to defend Taiwan. The AP reports President Joe Biden said Monday the U.S. would intervene militarily if China were to invade Taiwan. Declaring the commitment to protect the island is even stronger after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Quote, This I'm quoting the AP here, it was one of the most forceful presidential statements in support of Taiwan's self-governing in decades. Wow. Talk about strength from our leader, Joe Biden. It's fact so strong that Bloomberg reports Biden misspeaks on Taiwan, <laughs> says U.S. military would intervene. Oh. You know what I love? They, they they try to cover for him so much. They don't know which direction to go. So the AP is like, what a, what a forceful statement. Like, no, he was gaffing. And then Bloomberg is like, he, he was misspeaking. Yo, he literally said one word. Yes. He was asked, would the U.S. use military, uh, it, it intervene with the military to defend Taiwan from China? And Biden goes, yes. And the, and then the reporter was like, R- really? Wow. I, wow. Yeah. Okay. Everyone was surprised Joe Biden just came out and just said that effectively ending multi-decade long uh, policy on how the US approaches China and basically just telling China to go screw off. So look, like, if 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 someone who is cognitively uh, functioning said yes, I'd be like, "Whoa." But I think what really happened is we know the US does want to intervene with military in the event China invades Taiwan, but nobody's going to come out and say it. But you know, Joe Biden is sunsetting so it's like it's getting late in the day, and he's like, and then they say it. And he just his filters off, yes, and then immediately an unnamed White House official walks it back, saying that's not true. We wouldn't do this, and we we have the one China policy that hasn't changed. I see all this reporting coming from CNN and the, and these 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 reporters coming out being like the White House actually says, and then I'm like, who, who? Mm-hmm. CNN comes out and covers for the president. It's not true. He didn't mean it. Bloomberg covers for the president saying he w- he was misspeaking. And the AP covers for the president saying it was a truly forceful statement. Huh. Yeah, we're, we're gaffing towards World War III and just...
4: <clears throat> it's almost like it's dangerous to have a... Pre- nice, by the way. It's almost like it's <laughs> dangerous to
1: have a president who's experiencing cognitive decline. You yeah.
3: know, I think there's only one way to bring this administration back. And that's for Joe Biden to become the first celebrity endorsement of Neuralink. Once Ooh. that happens, then we can go forward. And of I- course... Uh, you know, as much as I oppose pretty much everything that Elon Musk is about, aside from the free speech and the chicks, uh, I think <laughs> that, um you know, he would probably bring it back around if he could tweak the Neuralink to start making Biden say ridiculous things, more ridiculous things than he does now. For instance, if he could have him turn to Nancy Pelosi and say that your, your hair looks like it smells so delicious. <sighs>
1: Come on, man. I, I smelled Nancy's hair. Ah, but I, I agree. Like, if there's anybody who should get Norland gets Joe Biden, mm-hmm. he needs some kind. Of, the upper is clearly not working anymore.
3: Maybe this is the, uh, the kind of like the missing footage from Idiocracy. You know, before <laughs> everything goes down, World War Three wipes out all the rest of the smart people due to some
2: ridiculous
3: president.
1: No, no, no. we all get on Elon Musk's starship and leave. Mm. How many people can the thing hold? Mm. Do we know?
2: No, no I don't know anything about
1: know. it. Starship? Let's find He's out. Building that starship for like a Mars colony or something. You guys enjoy? Like, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, if the Earth is about to explode, yeah, absolutely. I you was know, thinking
3: what, what, Mars has like what a third of Earth's gravity. Oh, Mars can't
1: sustain you life. Know. That's what, what's that
3: going to what's going to do to people? Underground. It's Under make their heads underground, really
1: big. yeah. Well, the issue is Mars. My understanding is it doesn't have an atmosphere, so we'd be living in domes, like you know, biodome, like with Poly Shore. Remember that movie? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Steve
3: Bannon worked on the uh, original biodome.
1: Really? Like the real one? Yep, the, absolutely. Like, like in the real world, not the Polly Shore movie.
2: No, the real one in the real
3: world.
1: Oh, okay,
2: uh, it's, it's it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. I looked that up.
2: I just saw an article about quantum, uh, some sort of quantum telescopes that can check underground and like map the underground now, all the caverns and stuff. So maybe we'll do that on Mars. I was just thinking about Biden a couple of days ago. Well, I was back at my parents' house, kind of off the off the internet, thinking like. If you have a military commander that's incompetent or that's losing his mind or her mind, you need to replace them immediately with, with another form of command. Unfortunately, the president's a little awkward situation because it's not like a general. You're, you're a commanding general. Um, but I would be so much happier with Kamala Harris running the show right now because he's not stable.
1: No, no, she's an AI oh. auto predict tech spot. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> I mean, we, it's funny because it's a joke because of like a few gaffes she's had. But when you really look at what she said, it it she's not speaking. It's like she sits down, and she, she, I'm imagining what's going on in her head as she's being interviewed, and she's like, don't screw up, don't screw up, say words, say words, say you words. did it, those are words. <laughs> and she's not actually telling anybody anything. She's like, as the vice president, you have to be vice presidential to be the vice president on a vice presidential mission for the vice president. And you're just like, okay, okay, what? Well, what? say what you want. The woman stands for freedom. She does that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking Have at the been su- waiting for to use that one.
4: Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I just, it's 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 the yeah. You're right. I, I wrote that a couple days ago. I was like, I hope I get to say this on TimCast.
1: Yeah. I, I was looking at the,
3: the the succession the other day, and um, you know, one hard bout of COVID or maybe monkeypox at this point, and uh, you would take out Biden, Pelosi, and I think it's Leahy, and then boom, you're left with Harris and Blinken. Imagine well, that's, a world like that.
1: That's probably why they're so worried about uh-huh. every new thing that's popping up because they're, I mean, let's be, let's be real. Like COVID was, it was primarily hitting older people. Mm-hmm. Even Bill Gates says so. So naturally, yeah, they were freaking out. It's probably why Nancy Pelosi was like, everyone's got to wear a mask no matter what. Because she's in the affected group. I mean, what is she, 80? Yeah.
4: 89. Yeah. she wow.
1: that, That's like the highest bracket for COVID. So, and Joe Biden too. I mean, seriously though, look, we don't want anybody getting sick or anything, but like, you can't, you can't freak out. Or I, I should put it this way. It goes to show why it is really dangerous to have these elderly. Octogenarians. Yeah, octogenarians. <laughs> yeah. She's 82. 82. Yeah. With Lucky Lance slapped, you can get lucky just about
5: anywhere.
1: Yes. They just—they just won't. They, they, you know, they—they—they've like gripped onto power and they won't let it go.
5: They're like those things on ships' holes. It's
1: like golem yeah. yeah. barnacles.
3: They're—they're they're <laughs> old barnacles, they and we're True. stuck with them.
1: I, I'd, I'd imagine Congress is more like a bunch of Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, they want the power. They won't give it up. True. They're all like, their teeth have fallen out and their hair's <laughs> gone. I mean, it, it, it re- I'm not kidding.
5: <laughs> the comparison holds up. It feels I mean, so
2: intricately entrenched. Like, I, I'm very concerned about how to fix the situation with the United States because I'm like, the corporations don't own us. We own corporations. The United States are people sovereign. And people on Twitter are like, no, the corporations own us, Ian. And like, come on. Purge the black pill. We can take control. But like, they're so entrenched. These these 80-year-old billionaires or millionaires With these people that are like Klaus... I don't know how tight Nancy Pelosi and Klaus Schwab are. I'm just using names right now. But people that are like multinational bankers are tight with these 80-year-old politicians. And they've been tight for like 30 years. How do you disrupt that web? How would you disrupt that web? Is it technological? Is this where the... the the future of technology is headed?
3: You know, that's a, that's a hard question to throw at me right away. Uh, how do you fix it all? Uh, do you do it with technology? Give us the answers,
1: otherwise yeah. you have credibility. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, you know, I have a answer, but I, I think that most of our solutions lie regionally, locally. I, I, I don't think that um, any mass movement is necessarily going to stop this this corporate technocratic takeover that we've seen really, arguably, since the 60s. People put the date different places. Uh, and I, it, it does have such a momentum at this point that, uh, to me, I think the notion of just stopping it like a train is pretty ridiculous. I think that the, the best options we have right now lie with ourselves. It's very unwise to look to a, a higher earthly power for salvation in this situation.
4: Yeah, well, I think the question is, how do we break it apart? I agree Heavily that we need localized solutions. I think a big part of this is people looking after their own lives, their families. Obviously, it would be ideal to return power to more local levels. But then the question becomes, how do we break up the very strongly centralized power so that becomes more possible?
3: Antitrust. I mean, and and that that definitely has an impact, right? That slows the train. But when you're talking about, to me, I take a profoundly negative view of the uh, wider possibilities of technology. I think that, you know, in the end... Technology is always about control and conceivably it's about a human controlling nature, controlling society, controlling themselves. But that means that the vast swath of humankind is going to be subject to that control and the desire for that power, the capabilities that we already have now that you already see in Google, Facebook, Amazon, this already has momentum that you break them up great you've you've at least diminished some of their power but i I think that ultimately long view we've got to go down the dark dark tunnel before we get to the light you mean like ayahuasca journeys where people like see their inner demons and stuff you know it doesn't take ayahuasca for me to uh see the inner demons but uh now that you mention it we won't go there no i think it's bad for my brain I,
1: i think uh culture building you know, so I I've, I've had a lot of conversations this past weekend. Was on a trip. Was in Austin, by the way. That was fun. Talked to a lot of cool people. And the one thing I think, you know, I always come back to is, you can build all the greatest tech in the world. You can vote whoever you want into power. None of that matters unless you have culture. So, you know, we talk about uh, uh, the saying. I think it was Breitbart. Politics is downstream from culture. Mm-hmm. Technology, I think, uh, is as well. But technology, I don't think, is, is as important. I know you've had a, you've, you've said the, the inverse Ian before, but uh, the issue is there exists alternative to Twitter, nobody uses it. Mm-hmm. Why? It's cultural issues. You know, people don't want to use alternatives; they want to be on the platform where everyone is. So, if you culture is everything, I'll put it that way. If we can start inspiring young people and say these are the values that that are are good and they should hold. Everything else becomes secondary. As those kids age, everything else gets washed away with the new generation. So it really is about inspiring young people with good values is the most powerful and important thing you can do to fix these problems.
2: One of the things I noticed being out of town and on the road, I was just not tapped into the the information. And it was like I realized the amount of information overload I've been exposed to in the last two years and how, how clear things started to get when I wasn't exposed to Twitter. And then even if I pulled up for five minutes, I'd start to feel this dark negativity, and I'd see a few people arguing and like, man, I'm going to have to withdraw that from my brain for a while. That might have something to do with the darkness, which actually isn't evil. Like, too much light will burn you, so you need to sometimes have no thought. What was it? uh, Jack
3: Dorsey called Twitter the light of global consciousness. Very spiritual claim. He said that he was something to the effect he's happy to pass the torch of the light of global consciousness to Elon Musk. And this concept of, of Twitter being... Something mystical of that sort. I mean, that sits at the heart of transhumanism. But uh, to me, I, you know, you look at this this argument people are having right now about free speech on Twitter, which I, I do think it's good that if we are going to be stuck in what James Poulos calls the the cyborg vivarium, at least everyone gets a say. But it doesn't change the fact that we're still stuck in that cyborg vivarium, right? We, we're still in a digital surveillance system, we're in a, basically a 24-7 propaganda machine that's pouring all this irrelevant, ultimately irrelevant information into your brain and distracting you from what I think are the most important things. I such mean, all as this, us
1: here. All, all this started with broadcast media. I mean, radio. Absolutely. Of course, it, the newspapers. Even before then, it was, just, newspapers were weak. They weren't as strong, but they were the most influential medium. So they would write stuff people would believe it. Then you get radio, they say it, people believe it. And then you get broadcast towers, television, the networks, they say it, people believe it. Now with the internet, nobody knows what to believe. I mean, the disinformation expert herself was sowing disinformation. And now it doesn't even under, I don't think Nina Jenkins even truly understood exactly why people were mad at her because she lives in a disinformation bubble herself. So I, I love it when people who don't do research accuse people who do of not knowing you know the the truth or reality and everyone's accusing each other there are very few people who can see more than others because they're trying no one can see everything so everybody's you know we're all trying to figure things out but i I think at this point the way technology is going you're just going to think something's true and you're not going to know who to believe or who to trust, and there's nothing you can do about it. Did
2: you guys hear the War of the Worlds 1938 radio drama? Oh yes, Orson Wells. Oh, familiar yes. with it, but I, was, I never
4: actually listened. to it. It's pretty
2: wild. It's awesome, actually. I was told that when that played on the radio, people actually thought yeah. it was real, and that aliens were actually invading, and people killed themselves. Some people, people would come out I don't looking know if that's for aliens. True,
1: though. I that, that was, it? was Apocryphal, yeah. It could
2: yeah, have yeah, been. I think it, that's like an urban. May have legend. been hyperbole. S- certainly, Babylon. there was mass panic. Uh You know,
3: I, I can remember when I was uh, a young man, my grandfather told me that. When the first dirigible, it was like a glow, a a glowing golden dirigible floated over this small town in Georgia. This woman went under her bed. She thought it was, you know, the the angels coming to end the world. And two or three days later, they found her there. Like, you know, they looked around for her. They found her there, and she was completely terrified. She didn't want to come out. These sorts of things, I mean, you look at the cargo cults. um, You know, all all these sorts of, uh, you could say, atavistic misinterpretations of what technology really is. That's really common. Um, With the Orson Welles story, though, I think it's just really hilarious. Can you
4: you imagine if they just played Cloverfield
1: on television today like it was a news broadcast without telling people it was a movie? Well, the crazy thing is – so when I was in Austin, I went to Waco. I actually went to Mount Carmel where the – that's the site of the Waco massacre. And uh, you know, with all due respect to the people who are running it, very nice uh, woman, they did have fake news. They had the meme – what was the name? Chipman? the ATF guy, who was there yeah. holding the, the picture of the burning church or whatever, which is not a real photograph. It's a meme mocking him. He was holding a piece of paper saying, like, you know, AMA or something, I don't know. And then someone photoshopped it to be him holding the, the site of, you know, Mount Carmel massacre, Waco massacre. And they thought it was real. And so I was like, oh, actually, no, that's a meme. He's making fun of him. And they were like, oh, we, we didn't know that. So people, deep fakes very much are yeah. impacting people. And I don't mean deep fakes in the sense that they're intentionally misleading. Like, No wonder Snopes is fact-checking satire because a lot of people just believe this stuff because they don't know what's true or what's, what's, what's false. It's, it's fascinating because I think false information is a big problem. In fact, it is one of the biggest problems. And I would dare say that my entire career is an effort to try and debunk false information. The only problem is it's coming from corporate press with billions or trillions of dollars over, you know, a decade or whatever to just keep pumping out disinformation. Sometimes, Feels like you're trying to knock on a skyscraper with a little hammer, a little ball peen hammer, and you can't do it. It's not going to happen. But you need wait. specialized tools. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Number 77. by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: With the Lucky Lands slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: What you can do, as you were talking about, you can cultivate spaces outside of it, which, you know, we have those. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying the digital spaces, but that's part of it. But I think that at least half the country, if not more, is completely cynical about what comes out of the corporate press. And in those conversations on the ground and also in the media, digital media space, I do see a real hope of people having some
1: degree of anchoring or sanity in all of this this madness. Let me pull up this uh, tweet from former disinformation czar Nina Jankowicz, she uh, tweeted in a longer thread about a piece that she had previously published. In one of her tweets, in, in, in the thread, she says, since this piece was published in summer 2020, the spread and effects of disinformation on American society have only worsened and become entrenched in domestic politics, as the last few weeks of my life has, have shown. This is the type of work I had hoped to do at DHS and the type of work the USG sorely needs to invest in. This is the type of work that I have built my career on, not a few contextless tweets. And this is the type of work I will continue in the public sphere. I said, disinformation specialist claims the U.S. disinformation board was to focus on domestic issues, a shocking admission. It really is. Now that she's out, she's outright saying, oh, all of this disinfo is in American politics. And that's what I wanted to focus my work on. She responded. I'd encourage you to read the paper to me. She said, I would encourage you to read the paper that I'm referencing, which is entirely focused on hostile state disinformation. She then responded to a few other people, the same thing saying the thread you're citing, which you've removed the initial context to is in reference to a paper about hostile state disinfo. You can disagree with my assessment that it affects domestic politics discourse, but the strategy described in the paper is the work I'm referring to. It's almost like she doesn't understand. I I would assume she outright doesn't get it or she's just lying. The issue is there is no difference from what she claims to be Russian disinfo and typical American politics. She is someone who has tweeted out the Russian disinformation line uncritically, without fact-checking. When it turns out it was true, the Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop story. She says, I I I was just quoting what the president said. Yes, you were pushing out disinformation without fact-checking, without without any critical assessment, just repeating what the liar Joe Biden was saying about his son and the illicit deals they were doing. If you did any amount of work, you would have seen that there are illicit dealings from Hunter Biden with Burisma in Ukraine and China. You would know about Joe Biden flying his son in Air Force Two into China for private equity deals. But she's done no research on any of this, blindly pushes lies, and then says, I want to work on these issues affecting domestic politics. But that's out of context when you say my work would have involved domestic politics. If she thinks the Hunter Biden laptop story was misinformation or disinformation. If she was unwilling to actually look into what that was as an expert on it, Mm -hmm. she absolutely was going to be interfering with First Amendment issues. She doesn't get it. These are children who have no experience, who are not experts, who just think they're smarter than you being given government jobs. Hey, that sounds like government in its entirety, doesn't it? I don't know, Tim. I think
4: she did some research. She asked Joe Biden if he did anything wrong. His administration said no. So there you go. Mostly false. Yeah. Well, okay, then.
1: I stand corrected, Seamus. Yeah. You know, she
2: said that it was a bunch of state disinformation. I think she specified it's a lot of corporate
1: disinformation, too. We really got to focus on the corporations trying to take over the world right now. She said the Hunter Biden laptop story. What did she say? It was a, it was a Trump campaign product? I
5: believe so, yeah. She's
1: full of it. Yeah. It's what she does. She lies. She entrenches herself in domestic politics and says, oh, I want to focus on this. But you've removed context. This is the problem with these people. Now, of course, you know, uh, respect for her responding at all. I invite her on the show. But she said she's unavailable. She's about to have a child, I guess. Very so, busy, yes. all right. Well, you know, congratulations to you. That, yeah, I mean, that's a legitimate response as to why you can't come on the show. I'm not going to. A lot of people are like, she's scared. She'll never come on. You know, she's going to have a kid. I she mean, might be busy. Yeah. That's that's an acceptable <laughs> answer. I mean, honestly, I don't think she's lying about being pregnant or anything like that. But uh
3: well, we don't have a, disinform- a disinformation board to investigate it. So without right that, right. we can never know if she's pregnant know, or not. No, yeah. it's true. Yes. What
2: really bothers me is that Americans would get caught in the crossfire of this, or or collaterally damaged by the, by the, this disinformation specialist hammering down on things that they think are like foreign actors or you know like how can you discern if it's like a 12 year old in russia with a vpn or a 17 year old in dubuque iowa i mean you can't they might think they can maybe they think they do but i mean the russian would want you to think it's dubuque the dubuque guy would want you to think it's russian so like what well, who, who in their right mind you, thinks you, they have the hammer on that
3: you you look at all the things that uh, Nina Jankowicz is about, right? And especially with the laptop instance, but but you know, COVID, all of that. Uh, these people aren't really trying to stamp out disinformation. Obviously, they're just trying to stamp out any competition with their disinformation. I mean, I'm not saying that every pronouncement that came out uh, regarding the laptop. I, let's just say that I think all of that was BS, but. Say with COVID, I think that to some extent people were confused, afraid. They said a lot of stupid things. They refused to walk them back, and when they did, they pretended as if they were right the whole time, or if, if as if the situation was evolving. But at this point, after two and a half years of it, it really, you know, for me, forty-two years of it, but uh, two and a half years of it, I, I just see no reason at all to take these people on good faith, totally at agreed. all.
4: Totally agreed. And I've mentioned this before on the show, but. They argue that the science changes, and fair enough, because science does change, but if you're going to make that admission and you're going to fall back on that whenever you have to change the narrative, you do not get to admonish people for posting information that conflicts with the narrative when you have decided that that is the case, at least for the time being, right? So when it comes to the lab leak hypothesis, that's the most famous and obvious example. They claim that that was disinformation, misinformation, people shouldn't be allowed to spread it. Then... As soon as it became more accepted for people to believe that, they were able to absolve themselves of any wrongdoing by saying, well, the information changed. Okay, fair enough, information changes,
1: but then you don't get to censor people who present alternate information. Right. It's that easy. It's that easy. And that's, that, that seems to be what their intent is going to be. Mm-hmm. What, uh, my prediction for the disinformation board, and apparently it's still going on. I don't know what the latest detail is, but it's not ending. It, they're going to issue a statement and say, oh, you know that story about uh, Hunter Biden and those ladies of the night? Mm. That actually came from, uh, where did it come from? Uh, Slovenia. Uh, so it, we're going to ban it. And here's our list. And then Twitter is going to come out and be like, yeah, that isn't allowed to be tweeted. T- uh, Twitter uh, t- tweeted. Twitter launched their crisis disinformation policy right. now mm. where they're actively editorializing. I mean, at a certain point, Can we, where, where's, is there some like ultra rich person who just fire a bunch of lawsuits? Hmm. You know, you know, uh, let me, let me, let me tell you guys something. You know, the most annoying thing about lawyers is, I I tell you, the worst, the worst worst (laughs) conversations I ever have are with lawyers. They are by definition defeatist. Mm. Every single conversation. I've never had a conversation with a lawyer who's like, I'm going to go scorched earth. No, they go, well, you know, the thing about uh, this company is that under this statute, you're not gonna win. It's gonna cost you a lot of money. So, in reality, and I'm like, how does precedent get set? Someone challenges the law. Someone files a lawsuit. A court issues their ruling. It goes up, hits the appellate courts, it stops. Times v. Sullivan, the precedent by which we have, you know, the standard for malice and defamation or whatever. Challenge it. But every single time I talk to a lawyer about Section Two Hundred and Thirty protections about you know Twitter outright saying our staff will now determine what's true, and I'm like, okay, come on. At a certain point, they have to like stepped over the line, right? Here's what I hear: Section Two Hundred and Thirty does not say that you aren't allowed to edit; you're allowed to do good faith moderation. Two Hundred and Thirty actually protects that, and then I'm like, okay, which means we need a judge to tell us. to interpret the law to find out what that limitation is, not just sit back and go, "I guess we can't do anything ever."
2: Yeah, they've been slow to pick up on that the last fifteen years. We need some serious social media, um, I guess you call it legislation or law lawfare. People really need to start taking these social media networks seriously. But, well, let's, you know, look, to the extent they're a monopoly,
3: and I think they are really a de facto monopoly, it, it certainly falls under the the First Amendment, right? I mean, if these are really if this consists of 80 to 90% of the public conversation, it's no longer private corporations. These people pretty much control all of the information flow at that point.
1: Let's, let's, let's talk about Wikipedia. Cause I've been going off on this one. I'm, I'm really pissed off about this. I don't understand. Well, I think I do understand. Let me tell you what's going on. Wikipedia publishes every article under their byline. Every single article says, from Wikipedia. Right there, I'm like, present that argument to a judge. Your honor. I understand section 230 protections, that you can't be held liable for what someone else posts on your platform. I'd like to make the argument here that Wikipedia has uh, assigned credit to themselves for this article by putting from Wikipedia. Now, if I put from Tim Pool, that's my byline. I'm responsible for that speech, right? Well, Wikipedia has done it. I've heard the argument, well, you can't because it's users who compile all of this. And I'm like, okay, let's break down that standard real quick. Let me, let me, let me, let me break down what you're telling me. You're telling me that if I create an automatic process, by which I will publish your articles under my name, I cannot be sued for defamation. So if I get 10,000 people right now to all add one word, no one can be sued. That is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Think about this. You could create a blank wiki titled um, Nancy Pelosi and then give everyone who logs in the ability to add one word based <laughs> on the line. Lo- Let's do it. Let's build this. I'm yes. not even kidding. Here's what we'll do. Let's develop And uh, a program where as soon as you load the browser, it, uh, it puts, you know, it, it it knows you're here to a cookie or something. So you get one word to add based on your position in line. You're the first person in, you get to add the first word. Haggard. Second person can add the second word.
2: High heel shoes. Oh, that's too many words.
1: No, no (laughs) one could be sued for defamation if what ends up getting written by 5,000 people is Nancy Pelosi eats dog. If that was actually what was written, who are you going to sue? Nobody wrote it. Try suing five. Nope. They all, I only wrote, 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 uh, wrote one word. You can't sue me for writing one word, can you? This is nonsense. The person who made the platform that allows it to go out needs to be responsible, especially if Wikipedia is putting from Wikipedia under every article. But every time I talk to a lawyer, I hear the same thing. Well, you can't because of statute and mobile. Blah, blah. I'm like, okay, get a precedent. Because certainly if it's true that you can't sue Wikipedia or Twitter or any of these platforms, then there is no longer any civil uh, c- c- uh, civil tort or, or defamation clause. None of it. None of it exists. There's no defamation. You know what? I want to defame, some, defame somebody. I'm just going to be like, here's an open forum. Here's what we could do on TimCast.com. We'll open yeah. up a comment section. Anybody can write whatever they want in the comments, and then we'll just take them all and paste them as a front page article. Nice. And whatever, and, and we'll grab a random user and we'll use their sentence as the headline. And here's the best part. Only 10 people will be granted special access to do so. Like Wikipedia. Wikipedia has special editors who are allowed to lock and unlock pages and have higher tiers. They're given special editing privileges, but that still is defamation proof. Okay. Well, let's make that and see what happens. Here's my suggestion. Let's build a system. Here's how it works. It is blank. Blank. The first person to log in gets the first word. Every time you load it, you'll be placed in line behind someone else. And if they don't write a word, then after 15 seconds, their position expires. Then you move up and you can add your next word. And then someone else can add the next word. And then you just get 50,000 people who all add one word to the great news article. That is, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi or Taylor Lorenz or whatever. And then they can't do anything about it. And then we'll put it on Times Square billboard.
5: Okay, well, first of all, that just sounds insanely fun. I really want to do that. Um, and uh, the second thing is that this is an incredibly big loophole that apparently no one else is taking advantage of. And I think that we should absolutely do something like this.
1: Wikipedia is taking advantage of it. Yeah. Like that's, that's all Wikipedia is. Now, there have been a lot of lawsuits against Wikipedia. And I guess what happens is two things. They just settle right away. And when you settle, m- m- typically a judge is not going to intervene. He's going to be like, you won. It's over. In fact, some judges might be like, you must settle. We're not going to court with this. And then if if Wikipedia comes to you and says, how much do you want? And you say, here's my damages. They'll just be like, okay, done, bye, have a nice day, we win.
3: You know, talking about the, uh, the technological freight train uh, that is social media and the current media ecosystem, I mean, what you're talking about with Wikipedia really is the same sort of thing that you see with the New York Times, Washington Post, when they use unnamed sources, or they say, such and such said this. And, you know, people's lives have been destroyed by that so many times. People's reputations have been completely sullied because once you put out a story that says an unnamed source said this or just simply this person accuses this person of being a racist or a rapist or whatever, once that's out there and they know this, that's what's going to be in the public consciousness. So, I mean, Wikipedia is one fine example, but I would say that the entire media ecosystem is – is is. It, it, it exemplifies how quickly disinformation spreads and how little accountability there is—basically zero.
1: There, there, I don't think that you're ever you're ever going to be able to stop wrong information. No. The, the the issue is when when it's completely automated or when you wield institu- institutional power behind statute. So, Twitter's position of we are going to censor things that we deem to be wrong. I'm like, okay, listen. If you as a platform, I'm just going to say, it, if if your position is that. You pick and choose what content is seen or not. I don't care if random a random person writes it. If you decided. So this is not the standard. A lot of conservatives think the standard for 230 is you're either a platform or a publisher. That's not the standard. It should be the standard. And we'd be we'd be done. And then Twitter would be like, we're not editorializing anything anymore. No more algorithms. Because if we intervene in any way, all of a sudden now, we assume liability for every statement ever. Good. That's how it should be. That's not how it is. Because of Section 230.
3: Well, you know, when I was talking about uh, localism, regionalism, uh, or, you know, the kind of personal approach to combating any sort of corrupt system, if you cultivate young people to be critical, to look at these things with at least a critical eye, if not a cynical eye, you will have a generation that comes up that's simply not subject to it. Unfortunately, I mean, the educational system is so eaten up with it. I can remember even 15 years ago, Wikipedia was completely forbidden as a source to cite. Now it's pretty much on the regular. People are, you know, it, everything from undergrads, possibly up to the grad level, who knows, people are encouraged to seek out these sorts of, uh, we'll say, uh, homogenized conformist sources uh, in the public you know in the public uh, education system i really do think though that independent communities are everything from radical catholics to uh, you know radical hippies uh, to just you know your average right wing yeah. <laughs> 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 your average your average you know right winger with a pistol i think that there is this really deep cynicism and skepticism towards the mainstream right now and if that can be latched on uh, it, it will take time, and but in time, you will have a generation that comes up that's able to handle this, that's able to get on top of it.
1: I just want to I I stress this real quick before moving on, just so people can think about it. If you go on Wikipedia and you contribute to an article, say, on Ian, and you write, you know, Ian once uh, kicked a dog. He's a radical hippie. You have made a false <laughs> statement. Against Ian, he did never he did not do that, and it causes him damage. All of a sudden, he loses his sponsorship from a local, you know, dog pet dog store or something. Then he's like, "I got damages, and you and you lied about me, and you know you knew you lied. You're going to get sued for that. But if you go on with ten friends and you write Ian, and then your friend writes once, and then someone random guy says kicked, and another, huh. person puts, uh, and another person puts a, and then another person puts a dog. No one can be sued because no one made a statement. That's the that's that is insane. And I believe a judge would rule against that immediately. That's what Wikipedia is. You can go into Wikipedia and change a single word. Someone will write, Ian once kicked a uh, head of lettuce. And then someone can change lettuce to dog, head of dog. And they didn't say he did it. They only wrote one word. So who's responsible for defaming? That's the problem with Wikipedia. That's why I say they should not have Section 230 protections as it stands today. Because it makes no sense. 10 people all write one word and then all of a sudden no one said the word, no one said the phrase. No, Wikipedia did. Wait, you can't, it's just so dumb. Like that Wikipedia can automate the defamation process and then try and be absolved from it. No, no, no. If you're listening and you feel like, you know, filing lawsuits, I think somebody needs to file a lawsuit. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, I think Wikipedia is amazing. I use it almost, almost every day sometimes. Um, but you're right. Absolutely right about that. They... Just,
1: I just think about the, 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 what, what a person could do. Someone can write a long sentence saying, you know, uh, James O'Keefe is a journalist and scholar. And then someone can go in and just change journalist to um, dog, dog puncher. I tried and to. No, I didn't say it about them. I just changed one word.
2: After Hillary Clinton's emails came out, 2016 or so on, thereabout, I, I tried to go into Wikipedia and change it and be like her emails implicated Sidney Blumenthal, you know, Osprey Global Solutions setting up shop in Libya, and immediately within like 10 seconds it was removed. So I don't know who's in charge, who's overseeing it. It was it was true stuff that I was looking at. Look up, you know, Hillary Clinton, Sidney Blumenthal, Osprey Global Solution emails. You'll find it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's
3: definitely a slant there. Obviously, uh, who was the um, the the one of the guys who helped form Wikipedia pointed this out that when it was formed under the ideals of community, you know, just community contributions, creating this amazing platform, they they were sincere and it really Wikipedia used to be a lot better. I was never a huge fan, but it used to be a lot better. Now it's clear there's a, a huge ideological shift. May, you could probably say, you know, it's it's almost homogenized. Look at any far left figure. Show me a place where a far left figure has been in any way demeaned or demeaned or defamed. I'm not aware of them. It's all towards the right, and the reason being clearly is that leftists knew where to go a decade, decade and a half ago to gain power, and that's in the media.
1: I'll actually, I'll, I'll attest to that too because my Wikipedia page is fairly tepid. It's not really that bad, and that's an interesting indicator. You know, I'm a fairly moderate person. So they're like, you know, eh." but if you're right wing, they write all of the worst possible things about
3: absolutely with no consequence whatsoever.
1: So something's got to be done about that. Let's let's talk about uh, other signs of the apocalypse instead of just defamation. We got the story from Fox Business. Biden considers tapping emergency diesel reserve with prices near record high. Yes, you may have seen the story that there's going to be a diesel shortage, that diesel is at what, six dollars a gallon. People uh, who drive trucks are saying it's costing them a thousand bucks to fill up. So they don't even know if they want to do the job anymore. And uh, then you have over and over again these memes, particularly from people on the left, saying it's not Biden's fault. Biden can't do anything about gas prices. It's the greedy corporations. I give you this from uh, – this is from May 19th, only a few days ago. But you, you absolutely got to listen to it. This is uh, Josh Hawley.
5: Oh, is our audio right?
1: A, oh, yeah. It never is, uh, is it? I always got to – I because
5: listen to music before the show.
1: That's right.
6: Secretary Grenell – Today in the state of Missouri, the average price of gasoline today, as of this morning, is $4.10. Average price of diesel is $5.18. And I'm sure you've seen the reporting this morning that now AAA is projecting that gas prices will hit a national average, average of $6 a gallon by the month of August. Is this acceptable to you?
1: No, it is not, and you can thank the activity of Vladimir Putin for invading <laughs> Ukraine and pulling a. Oh nonsense. Those bill- uh, with
6: all due respect, Madam secretary, that's <laughs> utter nonsense. In January of 2021, the average gas price in my state was two dollars and seven cents. Mm-hmm. Eight months later, eight months later, long before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, that price was up over 30 percent, and it has been going up consistently since. What are you doing? To reverse this administration's policies that are drawing down our own supply of energy in this country, that are throttling oil and gas production in the United States of America, what are you doing about it? With
1: respect, it? sir, it is not administration policies that have affected supply
6: and demand. How I can you can say you that answer when answer. the price of gas was up over thirty percent from January? Answer my questions, and it's my time, Madam Secretary. So why don't you answer my question? From January to August. The price of gasoline was up over 30%. In my state alone, it has been a continuous a continuous upward tick since then. And here's what your president did when he first came to office. He immediately reentered the Paris Climate Accord. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He halted leasing programs in Anwar. He issued a 60-day halt on all new oil and gas leases and drilling permits on federal lands and waters. That's nationwide. That accounts, by the way, for 25% of U.S. oil production. He directed federal agencies to eliminate all supports for fossil fuels. He imposed new regulations on oil and gas and methane emissions. Those were all just in the first few days. Are you telling me that's had no effect I'm on our energy supply?
1: So, uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, he, he very much listed the policy changes that have impacted the price of gas. And can I just point out something, I think, common sense? When you have a political party that has been screaming climate change and carbon emissions, do you think they're the party that's going to get you cheap gas? I mean, no. If you are someone who is also worried about climate change, you're probably happy that Joe Biden did those things. The repercussions are regular working class people aren't going to be afforded to drive. Food prices are going to skyrocket. There's going to be shortages of diesel. And if we, if we have to tap into these strategic reserves, I wonder, considering the fertilizer shortage already. What's food going to look like this fall when the harvest comes and ain't nothing coming through? Winter is coming, my friends. And when they try and claim it's Vladimir Putin who did this, here's what I hear. I hear them saying, we did this and we're glad we did this. But we don't want you yelling at us because we're going to do it more. So we need a scapegoat. So yeah, get ready for it. it's going to get worse.
3: Yeah, the uh, the fertilizer situation is really critical. Uh, already, you see, you know, obviously what's happening in the Ukraine has really just shut off all of that grain. And then India, of course, has they've cut off their exports. And you really have to wonder in in the long run. and When I say the long run, I mean in the next year or two where we're going to be because if you don't have the fertilizer and if you have an industrial farming system right the fertilizer the 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 petroleum-based fertilizers are essential to the food supply what well, you don't have food the only thing you then have are stores now i think america will be okay i think you know most of europe will be okay they'll hurt but in the third world it will be crushing
1: it already is i mean you got That's Sri Lanka. Yeah. Okay. Th- and there's, there's politics involved in that. Right. Some of their policies and stuff, but it, it is already affecting many other places as well. Um, I think the U- the U S will be okay, but you ain't going to be happy.
3: No. And when you have unhappy people and you have a whole lot of guns and you have a whole lot of anger, powder things like, happen. Mm-hmm. Look
1: at, look at uh, the baby formula situation. Now that now we're importing and it's just, it's so laughable how people defend Joe Biden. Like, look, he's solving the problem. It's like, bro, you don't get credit for solving the problem you made. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, if you If you spill milk on my floor, I'm not going to congratulate you when you mop it up i'm going to be i'm going to be like, please don't do that again. Mopping it up was the least you can do. This is what we're dealing with now with the you're going to get angry people. you know like, babies is bad enough, but I think we're going to see uh, a lot of shortages I, yeah
2: I saw an article that said that uh you can take uh methane and break it into hydrogen and graphene. So there are ways out of this, but I people are so hooked on the short-term oil, for whatever reason we have been for the last 40 years of my life, 43 years. I don't, I don't know. It's always like it's, just two years away, just five years away. Just like what are we waiting for?
1: It's real simple. We built a world on oil. We are now standing on the pillars of fossil fuels. That's why we need them. Mm-hmm. You can't just take that away because then the, your your tower will fall. And that fall is going to kill a lot of people. So what can we do? I mean, slow changes, build new infrastructure to hold up our civilization with alternate energies. Nuclear power sounds like a great idea. I'm a big fan of renewables, tidal energy, geothermal, all really great. Instead, it just seems like
0: test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family
1: no purchase necessary bgw group void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply the people who are deeply concerned about climate change and 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 there are a lot i think climate change is, is 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 an issue i think pollution's an issue i think dead zones are an issue but it's it's the, i think the real argument here is human experience versus non-human experience that is to say if you were to just shut off the oil right now like Greta Thunberg wants and just kill 60 some odd million people because all of a sudden I mean as I have to mention diabetics are the first to go when the power goes out then it's you know no food no transport nor no heating so you really are just the, the the people who are vulnerable just 60 million I think is the estimate you can do that but the human experience is why we're here so you have these two trains of thought. One, that it doesn't matter what humans perceive, think, want. Human perception is irrelevant. Therefore, let's just stabilize the ecosystem. And, you know, that results in how many people dead. Then you have people who are like, okay, look, you know, we can, we can be better stewards of this planet while recognizing that we are humans. We perceive things in a human way and we want to protect human life and what, what co- brings us joy. In which case, yeah, just this utilitarian kill as many people as possible for the sake of reducing carbon doesn't work.
3: Well, you know, I, I, I differ with many of those on the right on this topic. Uh, I, I do think that, obviously, our job as humans is to survive, right? That's the, the core. Other than salvation, let's say, the essential task of the human being is to survive. But in the last 150, 200 years, the absolute destruction on the environment that has been wrought primarily through technology can't be ignored. And while I think climate change is somewhat of a red herring, uh, it, it's it's dubious as to whether or not the the evidence backs up the theory, and ultimately it's a kind of slow moving thing. What we do have in our faces right now, as you say, pollution, the dead zones, but really habitat loss, particularly like in the Amazon or in Africa, which is driven primarily by China at this point, but also the species loss. I mean, once they're gone, they're gone. And I I think that that it, the reason that uh, it, radical environmentalists are so passionate about this, and I feel very much in the same way. Is that we are at a critical point? That it, you know, just because there's trees everywhere doesn't mean you have an old ecosystem, right? You go to the, the Appalachian, you look at the Appalachian ma- mountain range. All of that's new growth, all of it. It was cut down sometimes twice, 100, 150, 200 years ago, 250 years ago. So what you have now all over the earth, what is still green, is in the southern hemisphere, and that's being rapidly eroded again, primarily by China. And I, I don't know what the way around it is, but I do think that the urgency... That's one reason I'm so frustrated by people like Greta Thunberg, right? She's a joke. It's it's hilarious to watch her. She makes funny memes, that, that Swedish death metal meme, hilarious. But it completely covers up the real critical issue that we are still, to this day, as we have for two centuries, destroying the natural environment, and it's never coming back. So we have to find some place in between. But, you know, as it's been pointed out by many on the right in America, for instance, uh, you know, many of those in the Sierra Club who founded the Sierra Club, you could say, at least by today's standards, are very right wing, especially on, on issues of immigration. But if you don't have a country, right, if it's not if it's no longer your country and you don't have harmony, you don't have co- cohesion, you don't have any way of exerting your will anymore. Well, then you're not going to save the environment and you're not going to save yourself. I, I so I, I do think that, and again, starting local.
1: I think the equation is actually fairly simple. People scream climate change. The World Economic Forum says you will own nothing. You will be happy. The people who are claiming that the earth is being destroyed are not the ones who are going to give you a good economy. Absolutely. Donald Trump gives this roaring economy and growth that you know Obama said wasn't possible. Yeah, well, growth means more kids. More kids means exponential growth. So certainly the people who are like, climate change is destroying the planet are not going to be happy that Donald Trump was doing that, right? No. So then... When Joe Biden, the Democrats, the party of climate change gets into power, what are they going to do? They're probably going to enact policies to reverse what Trump did, hurting people, but benefiting their ideology. That is not a moral statement on climate change, what we should or shouldn't do on the environment. It is a fact statement. Joe Biden helping people, giving them a better economy, giving them cheap fuel meant they were going to eat. It meant they were going to have children. It meant these values are going to create more people. If you are Bill Gates and you're like, we need less people, you're not going to be happy with Donald Trump. Now, are you? You're going to want the opposite. Unfortunately, the opposite means that for you at home, your milk costs 10 bucks, your your gas is going to cost 10 bucks and you're going to own nothing and you're going to have to live with it. You're not going to be happy, but that's what they want for you
4: yeah so you made a point earlier about how people especially people in developing countries are really going to suffer from this and i remember when the lockdowns were first beginning it was estimated i believe by the imf or the world bank that about 120 million people were going to be added to the category of being in extreme poverty as a result of covid 19 though of course what they're referring to specifically were the lockdowns and we'll get into that euphemism in a moment but We we see this. I've seen some sources that say after 2021, they updated that number to 100 million after they saw the effects it actually had. And it's really sad because that group of people has been totally forgotten. And they use this euphemism, as I mentioned, where they say, you know, 100 million people have been... Uh, added or found themselves in extreme poverty because of COVID-19. Well, no, it's because of the lockdowns and the breakdown of the supply chain. We know this. Just look at the states in America which locked up and which didn't lock up. We know you're going to have far more disastrous consequences for your economy if you do shut down over something like this. And so the left for years was claiming if you cut even a penny of what we intend to allocate towards welfare spending, hundreds and hundreds of people are going to die. But then when it comes down to shutting down the global supply chain, or at least the part that every developed country in the world plays in the global supply chain, well, that's, that's a risk we're willing to take. And, you know, if it just saves one life, let's
1: ignore the fact that many, many, many people will die. All right, let's go there. Is the it, the a, Independent says, Donald Trump's civil, civil war bombast is bad enough. Democrats shouldn't help make it worse. Oh, oh, wow. oh man. From Noah Berlatsky is mocking someone for not being as tough as their rhetoric is not helpful if you want a public discourse that doesn't reward aggression. So this is uh just one of the many articles that are saying Donald Trump, civil war bomb- bombast or Donald Trump calls for civil war, blah, blah, blah. I love I love how they frame it. They're shocked and angered that Donald Trump would discuss such a thing. From May 11th, 2022, the second American civil war is already happening from Robert Reich. Okay the conversation around civil war is not just something Trump brought up. Apparently what happened is that on Truth Social, someone referenced uh, Naib Bakeli, I think is his name, um, the, the president of El Salvador. He tweeted, a great nation like the U.S. It, you know, can't be brought down from, the outside it has to be from the inside. Someone then quoted that and said civil war. Trump then retruthed it, which is their version of retweeting, which is terrible branding, by the way, but okay, let's live with it. And uh, uh, now they're saying Trump called for civil war. Trump, is this his first mention of civil war? Because this conversation has been happening for four years, and it started with mainstream corporate press.
4: Well, it's not his first mention of the civil war. At least it, it might be. It might not be. But it is the first time the media has ever twisted his words and made it sound like he <laughs> oh, said something completely right, different. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. We've never seen the media, fair. like, grasp at straws to make it seem as if he's saying something completely different than they could reasonably say based on his statement.
3: So is is civil
2: war possible? Do you think it's,
3: it's
4: I think it's happening
2: it's always possible probable i don't know i think I, I tend towards uh majid nawaz making a statement about world war three that it would be a bunch of civil wars as well as a global war a corporate war neighbors on neighbors information all of it
1: let, let, let me let me tell you why i think it's it's happening and it's inevitable um, you need to understand what, what it what it means in the context of fourth and fifth generational warfare we often bring up it may not get to the point where people are fighting in the streets it may just be what we're experiencing information warfare lawfare media manipulation in in this modern era do we need nuclear weapons when you have the power of propaganda
3: well when i say civil war i mean violence i mean it's people,
1: already
3: happening uh, to, to, to some extent i mean organized violence and and not just antifa but, rioters smashing up buildings and beating people up uh, not just psychopaths randomly shooting at people i mean organized a violence national guard
1: a, a governmental body.
3: Yes. And, you know, I, I, I vacillate on this, right? Sometimes When I grew up, it seemed pretty inevitable, right? And in, in the 90s, it seemed pretty inevitable that the country was going to break apart. There was so much hatred in the air, so much violence. That was pretty much stamped out by the, the response to 9-11. And all of that sort of foment was pushed down by the fear of the the, you know, NSA or DHS picking you off. And it just went cold. Now it's starting to get hot again, and I, I, I don't really see who would be the combatants in a, in a clear way, right? You could say, oh, it's going to be conservatives and liberals. It's going to be the urban versus the rural. What would the, that Civil War map actually look like? Uh, I did get an insight on that, though. when I think it was NBC published a, a map of which states would pull back abortion rights and which ones oh, wouldn't. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not saying that's, that's a clear it. map of what the the battle lines would look like in the Civil War. But I think that's a pretty good indication because you've got a sacred value there. And I think that's what's pretty it's, much it, behind most of this conflict is sacred values.
1: I think it's going to be fairly north and south. I mean, uh, for the most part, we're seeing abortion laws like it's, it's northern and western states that are uh, pro-abortion to an extreme degree. Colorado, for instance, no restrictions. And it's many of the southern states that are trying to implement restrictions on it. So you may actually end up seeing this. One, I, I, uh, I'll i reference the meme where it says, "The United States of Canada and um, what was it? What, what was the other? One? The South was called like the Southern, the Christian states of America, and then oh, yeah. and then the North was the United States of Canada, <laughs> and it was like California, but then up and around like Nevada and then you know the Midwest. What people need not understand about the first Civil War, Texas, my understanding joined just because of geography. Texas was like well." You know, we're we're basically locked in next to the Confederacy. And if we don't join them, what happens? Who do we trade with? How does this work if we're a U.S. state or whatever? So then basically, like, by virtue of geography, we're joining this new union or whatever. I think the same thing would happen. You will see more conservative states that don't want to align with Illinois, New York, and California, but be like, what choice do we have? North Dakota and South Dakota will probably be roped up. Whether they want to or not, their populations are so small, they may not, they, they may not have a choice. That could split the country. Honestly, I don't, I don't really know all too well exactly how to, how to predict what would happen. Civil wars like the U.S. Civil War are rare. In fact, I'm not sure there have been other civil wars exactly like it where, it, where multiple jurisdictions split you know mm. between North and South. The Spanish Civil War, for instance, was pockets of urban and rural areas. Yeah. So we may actually just see that. And you will see, I mean, New York's got a massive urban police force tens of thousands of people. But I I think what people, uh, what what you need to understand right now about what's going on is geographic hyperpolarization is happening and will be exacerbated by the Supreme Court's ruling on Roe v. Wade and Casey. You're going to get, as you already are, conservatives in liberal areas fleeing, red states becoming redder, blue states becoming bluer, and then eventually we just completely disagree on everything, refuse to cooperate. And then what happens when Nevada puts up a border between california or something because they're like you allow illegal immigrants we don't so we're building a border between states these are the kind of things that precipitate major conflict or how about monkeypox it spreads and then all of a sudden one state says we're enacting border checkpoints between states so we can keep out certain illnesses like we saw with covid actually with connecticut and new york
3: You guys are big on Jonathan Haidt's uh, moral foundations. Oh, yeah. yeah, Uh, yeah. I've I've heard you talk about it. And uh, let's just take his theory for granted, right, that human societies evolved so that they diversify naturally towards a conservative leaning and a liberal leaning. The conservatives obviously are holding down the traditions, Liberals are pushing society forward, and it's through that symbiosis that society goes forward, right? Forward isn't the right word. uh, When I say forward, uh, I mean in a more adaptive direction, right? So uh, according to Heights theory, uh, what you're talking about is humanity essentially as certain pockets of superorganisms in which uh, having that variety, having the the, the variety of of foundations to draw from in any given problem to, to face any given dilemma you have a much greater chance of solving it because of this diversity of perspective, right? If we take that for granted, what's happening now with this big sort in the US and what's been happening really for decades, but in the last 10 years it's been I- extreme. You're, in his theory, you're basically peeling the human organism apart. You're creating something that's profoundly new, that's never really existed before. This, it, we're in completely uncharted territory if that's the case now most of my conservative friends listen to that and it's like oh well that's just a way to to legitimize liberal points of view and push them on to me liberals love it because it's all airy-fairy and we can all be together but i i honestly i think that the the covid pandemic showed a real flaw in his theory because him and jesse graham by the way jesse graham deserves a, a huge amount of credit but uh, the, the idea that liberals skew primarily towards care and fairness and conservatives towards authority in group preference and, and purity and sanctity, I, I think on the surface that makes sense. But when you look at what happened during covid, you get a really good example of how flawed that is, because liberals really did circle the wagons and their sense of, of what is pure and what is what is uh, tainted or what is uh, polluting uh, really kicked on. So whatever, you know, whatever real distinctions there are to be made there long term, I think that did show a real flaw. And Haidt
1: actually admitted that. So what I see happening is you have this left wing and right wing. And as you mentioned, you know, the right, the conservatives are are holding back the, the left from going too crazy. But the left does bring about some changes. What happened is there was a weird budding phenomenon where the left started to have a growth of some sort that was ignored And then eventually the growth just got big and flopped off and now is completely separate from the 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 U.S. body. (laughs) So, you know, in, in, in this room we've had actual liberals and conservatives talk and disagree on a bunch of core issues as you describe it. But the modern left in this country is separate. The traditional left, as you describe it as pulling us forward, is considered right wing now. Because that weird budding phenomenon is slopped off and now is no longer connected to the existing infrastructure. That is the rise of the multicultural democracy within the United States versus the Constitutional Republic. It's, it's being fed, it's being given sugar and it's growing and eventually it will either burst and break or it will consume the, you know, uh, Constitutional Republic side of things. I think it'll probably burst because these people have no logic behind what they do. It's wild tribal nonsense. And they won't be able to adapt properly. They're not going to be able to survive. It, it, it really is. If they are the most extreme element of change and no tradition, tradition involves things like growing food. They don't. They don't know how to do this. If you look at that meeting with the DSA where they're like, "Hi, my name is John. He, him. I just want to shout. and say that you know, please stop mis- using gendered pronouns for the group." You, you saw that that thing that went no, viral. No. The DSA meeting. Everyone's freaking out. They can't stop fighting. Because they're like, you know, someone says, guys, please stop clapping. You're triggering my, my anxiety. And then a trans person goes, stop using gendered language. And they're all yelling at each (laughs) other. And it was just, it was crazy. That, that's never going to function as a system of governance. Those people will not be able to grow food for themselves. Don't you think they're puppets, though? I mean, do you really think that the people? That's not, that's not, that's not relevant. I mean, Mm. if you have, 8 million people in this country who believe that they're not going to survive a long fall.
3: Sure, no, but they, I mean they're being held up. Uh, clearly to me I think they're just weaponized uh, mis- malcontents, they're, they're, right? They're, they're, like they're they're not the the entire especially with the trans movement. I mean, this is not something that was was, you know, grassroots from them, uh, you know, that they they pushed their way into the public square. The left used them as a weapon against the right. And it shows, I think, in many ways, how devolved we are as a culture that they got as much traction as they did. Something as ridiculous as pronouns and, and, and whether or not one is being misgendered as being some kind of key issue for the nation. I, I, I they're, think they're, that they used the, these people to hammer on we're, us. We're, we're, as we're a not war. talking about
1: right now. We're talking mm. about a collapse, a conflict, civil war. Mm. They can't exist.
3: Sure. No, the, the, definitely if it collapses every transgender person on earth will immediately start to detransition and things will get real ugly Not by coordinate. choice. No. There's,
1: you're not going to have access to exactly. elective surgeries or medication. But it's not even about trans, it's about the the entirety of the the um the left moral framework has no merit. The, the 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 left in this country doesn't understand concepts of merit or logic. Now, I'm not saying literally every single one of them, but if you look at their thought leaders, We had a a tweet that went viral from Hassan, who is the most prominent left-wing streamer. And he said something about capitalism, that there's only four companies that produce baby formula. And that was a non sequitur. That idea makes no sense. It's not capitalism's fault. There's only four baby formula companies. It is not four baby formula companies' fault that there's no baby formula. And there's not no baby formula because there's only four companies. It's a nonsense statement. If that's going to be the prominence of thought, they're not going to actually solve the problem of baby formula. So if everything did go belly up into civil war or whatever, most farmers, probably conservative. I don't mean, I could be wrong about that, but I know absolutely right. Most conservatives live in rural areas, meaning they likely have on a scale of one to 100, the 100 being you are a prepper outdoorsman who can build a hut from trees in a day and one being you are absolute city folk. If you, if you're a conservative, you're leaning towards outdoorsmanship. So just living out here in, in West Virginia, I know what I can eat outside a little bit. I'm not going to pretend to be any kind of prepper outdoorsman at all, but I know that I know when the food, I know when the wine berry season is. I know when the pawpaw season, I talk about all the time. Hey, I know where to get some food. I know where the turkeys are. I know what the animals are around here. I know where the bears are. I know where the deer are. You live in a city. Let's say the store closes. What do you eat? Where do you get food? You have no idea. Even if you leave the city, you're going to be like, now nah, I'm in a, in a random rural place. What do I do? Well, unfortunately for you, you're going to have to go out probably a hundred miles before you get to, I mean, even if you go a hundred miles, you're in, you're in owned territory. So if you live in the middle of nowhere, if you live outside of the suburbs, you're more likely to be conservative. You're more likely to know what to eat, where to eat, where to get water. You live in a city, you got none of that. So good luck.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, having lived in Boston, Portland, uh, and, you know, reared in Tennessee and now living in Montana, I can tell you right now who's going to win that conflict, right? I can tell you right now who's going to last if things go belly up. Do we uh, need
1: BuzzFeed in, a, in when you know if the economy crumbles?
3: I don't think we need them now, but definitely not then. <laughs> Top exactly.
1: ten annoying things that happen when you farm. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me look at this. The, <laughs> joke, the joke I made to the, uh, the, the the we we have like a, a plot of land far away. We, uh, I don't want, I, I won't say too much, but there's um recreational communities that double as like in the event of an emergency, come out. And I always tell them, like, don't worry, guys. When, when it hits the fan and everything goes crumbling, if you need someone to complain about stuff, I'll be there. That's the job I can do, right? No, as soon as you show up, they're going to be like, start cutting wood. And you're going to be like, yes, sir. That's
3: yeah. it. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think Montana, especially being out there around all these survivalist types, such solid people. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to name names, but uh, there's a no, there are a number of liberty coalitions that give me real hope for the country out there. Because you have people that are salt of the earth, and they're also just completely independent of the system. Should it come to that, uh, it, it you know you mentioned farmers though. We're down to I think maybe two or three percent of uh, the U.S. population is engaged in farming, at least on a professional level. So uh, you're talking about a new elite. Should things go belly up
2: in the land with no food, the farmers are king. I just drove through Middle America on my way back here, and man, the farms are. Huge, yeah, and I imagine they're owned by one guy or whoever—a company, a small Bill, company.
1: Bill Gates, maybe. Well, this is what is I, I
4: wonder. It's so bizarre. You mentioned that uh, you know, an in, in, uh, economic collapse, right, or in an economic collapse or a land with no food. The farmers are king. It's insane to me that we don't give those people more respect already. They're, right. I mean, they're already making all of our food. It's not like that's only going to be the case once it collapses. I thought so, it was well, a tragedy well,
2: so, how Monsanto screwed those guys over with their glyphosate. They give them these these chemicals to put on their their crops, and then they need to get their specific tailored herbicide okay. that won't affect it because it's. And then the let's, next season they have to use it again because they can't get out of it. Let's think or, about or the crops will old,
1: old feudalism. You know, the lords and the kings would have mm-hmm. all the land, and the peasants and the serfs would till the lands for them in the in in the future if there's a collapse farmers got guns hmm. so good luck you're not going to you're not going to you're going to need comparable force to come in and take it over and try to establish something what would
2: i what about air air power because this is like when i think about civil war and we talk about borders i'm like rivers mountains but then i just think about bombers and stealth bombers. what's that gonna like, do for you well what's it gonna how's it gonna change the game because it's not 1865 now where a river's a big deal anymore i mean it's still a little bit of a big deal
1: air air, air power is is great for taking out military installations but not for occupying artillery
2: artillery too like
1: I I I I don't think it's going to look like it, you know what you know. I thought it wasn't going to look like the first Civil War until the abortion issue started becoming more prominent, and people have brought up uh, Lincoln's election, how that led to states seceding, the slave states, and I'm like, what if we, we we Joe Biden's our Buchanan, basically a feckless you know pathetic leader who you can't even call him that. He's an occupier. He's the guy who sits there and has the title. So Trump gets elected. And then we see all the abortion states be like, we out. Mm. So here, here, here's a potential thought I was having. And, and, and again, this is wild speculation. Roe Ro and Casey are overturned. Republicans propose federal restrictions on abortion or a bunch of red states start passing these bills. The left gets angry. Donald Trump says, when I get in, we are going to federally, you know, ban abortion. That's what triggers a secession from blue states saying, nope, we're not going to allow that.
3: I wonder. I, you know, I, I've heard it said, and I, I generally agree that abortion has become really like the quintessential boomer issue. I know that young people are also really passionate about it, but the the, the real thrust of the abortion movement came in the in the '60s and '70s, and now it's it's this lingering thing. I mean, I I don't see banning abortion federally, but I, I do think that it's just one of many many wedges that you see pushing people apart. And again, it's a sacred value, so it's it's non-negotiable. Well, let me let me so, ask you,
1: Seamus, do you want to ban abortion at the federal level? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, w- do. Would you? Would you vote for people who would? Yeah, for sure. Do you think a lot of pro-life people would? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And Joe Biden would veto it. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump would then say. The First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to sign the save save the children actor whatever they call it because they're going to give it some name like that and the left is going to scream and be like no I think it's also, larping but, can, it, can, I, can I just mention yeah.
4: one more point in, in response to you I disagree that this is a, a movement that's lost steam I actually think it's gained steam and according to Gallup it has as well more people identify as pro life than than did in the 80s I'm but,
3: talking about passion not metrics right uh, I, I just I think it's very we'll see what happens no I, I, but, I you, be,
1: hold, hold on look the Supreme Court yes may overturn uh, no. Roe I, and Casey. Absolutely. And all of these states have been in, in, uh, enacting new bills to restrict abortion as it is. It's, 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 it's more than I've ever seen in my life.
3: Like, I, you know, I think Donald Trump's election is, you know, orders of magnitude more important as far as a social wedge. Uh, this is one thing no, 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 but Right, 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 yes. right. Sorry to
1: interrupt. Yes. But uh, th- there's a strong moral catalyst in abortion that without, you know, Trump is the powder keg. Abortion is the spark.
3: Perhaps. I mean, we'll see what happens. But
1: uh, I, I think
3: that it's just one among many factors. And, and I do, obviously, I mean, you see from the perspective of the war room, you see these people. These are people, again, most of the people that, that are war room viewers are, are right wing, salt of the earth people, very, very passionate. And I think that they see the battle lines drawn. And I think Steve Bannon has identified those battle lines and is able to articulate them in, 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 in superb fashion to drive that forward even with that though you know just seeing that passion firsthand i i I don't want to die on this hill but i i I just think abortion has it's it's so normal already in the culture like the revolutionary spirit from the 60s and 70s has long since died away if it comes to something so extreme as a federal ban on abortion yeah that's going to spark things off but you know more than race issues more than economic disparity you know more than the obvious it, corruption about, at the center it, it, of the it's, system it's
1: not about more it's about uh, needing a tribal issue to incite one tribe yep. one faction
3: it, it, you know going back to that map i mean clearly that map had an impact on me for a reason you do see pretty in stark terms these zones of of, of certain moral leanings uh you know, like I said, I don't want to die on that hill, but I I do think that uh, it will be a confluence of factors. That's just one of one among many. I really I hear
4: you. I I, I still will. Just to make one more point about this, I think that you're right that it has been law for a very long time. But one interesting component of this issue is when you look at, uh, you know, gay marriage, for example, and I put marriage in air quotes there. The Supreme Court decided upon that about 10 years ago, and now the culture is almost completely in lockstep with that entire agenda, whereas Roe v. Wade was decided roughly 50 years ago now, and they absolutely have not won the culture over And In fact, it's gone in the opposite direction. And having been to the the March for Life and various pro-life events, I would just totally disagree that there isn't more passion behind this. Oh, man. Let me double check.
1: Let me double check So what we do, we have this uh, from the Guttmacher Institute. They say if the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, 26 states are certain or likely to ban abortion. This looks like a regional conflict. Yeah. So there was a, 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 a poll of very of five regions. You had uh, the Northeast. You had the South. You had the uh, Heartland. You had California, and I think like the Mountain Region or whatever. I don't know. And uh, they polled them all. The West, the major, uh, uh, the majority uh, uh, in favor of secession were Democrats at like forty some odd percent. In the South, it was like sixty percent of Republicans wanted secession. In the Northeast, it was mostly Democrat. In the Heartland, it was mostly independent voters. I did the math. I calculated the uh, populations of every state and every region, broke down the percentages to get the actual number, and then correlate them to each other and found 37.2% of the United States was in favor of their specific region breaking off from the United States to form their own country. 37.2. That is massive. Wow. So when you look at this from the Guttmacher Institute, you can see if we do have a new civil war, it's not going to be North versus South. Mm -hmm. It is going to be multifactional, multiregional: multi
5: regional. So yeah, I think global. I think, sorry, go ahead. Oh,
2: I mean, you don't see Canada or Mexico in there. You also don't see the, the Chinese nuclear submarines off the West Coast. <laughs> like, what are we what are we joking about here? No, this is, not, never, this is serious. Never,
1: never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. China's going to sit back and watch.
2: Yeah, of course. If chaos, I mean, it's a land grab. If we go to war with ourselves, you don't 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 shred this place now.
4: It is interesting though that you point out not north north versus south. Very roughly speaking, it looks almost like coast versus center.
1: Look at the south. Yeah, I mean the I mean, southeast the south is, is an exception, right? But. Well, the south is the south. Mm-hmm. It, it is kind of funny yeah. that the south is the side of trying to grant personhood, and then mm-hmm. and the various northern states like New <laughs> England are the. Yep. Uh, deny personhood mm-hmm. by the way it's hard to find estimates on this i
4: see one estimate saying roughly 150,000 were at the march for life in dc when i'm thinking about
2: all this this abortion topic it, it strikes me as like i said larping earlier because like if it was real chaos and you were hungry and starving and you're the guy who was giving you food was aborting babies no one's gonna try and stop the guy because he's creating stability for you and your family it's only when you have like enough money to start thinking about things and what that guy over there 100 miles away is doing that we start to interfere with each other's rights. I think you're wrong. Or abilities.
1: I I think in the event of a collapse, having children would be considered the most important thing ever, and somebody was killing kids would probably be stopped.
2: It just depends on the situation. Because if the guy, if there's there's a warlord in charge of your locale that is vicious, but he's making sure that you're going to stay alive, I've never had to face starvation. I've heard it's, you know, Life altering completely changes the way you look at reality.
1: Per, perhaps in the micro, but that civilization would cease to exist. I don't know, man. So, like, it, it, I mean, just think about it logically. If there was a tribe of humans at any point that said, we are small and starving, but the guy who runs us wants women who are pregnant to not have kids, how long can they last? Versus any other population that says, has, have more kids.
2: You know, it depends on the weaponry a 20 lot 20 years, times. bro.
1: 20 years. 20 years. If you have a, you, you have 10 20 year olds in, in group A and 10 20 year olds in group B, so that's five couples each. And one says no kids. The other says oh, everybody has kids. Oh, they take slaves.
2: They, they they invade. If they have the weapons, the the guy that wants to kill all the kids will we'll, we'll go. I'm not talking about liberals. It could be anybody. It could be any any warlord. My point, war my point is this.
1: You're adding you're adding things to it that are that are relevant to the point I'm making. If you have two societies negating all external factors and one says we're not having kids or we're going to even take a slight 1%, 21020 10, 20%, we're going to reduce our population. In 20 years, you know, group A that has five couples, each having two kids, has a new adult population. And group B that doesn't, doesn't have a new adult population. They've aged, and now they're weak, and they're the ones who become the slaves.
2: It's a math problem, what you're doing. It, but you're, you're creating a situation that has no externality. And in reality, people will fly in with B-52s from across the world and try and alter your, your equation. So sure the there's guy- a million and
1: one variables, but the point is this is a factor. If you don't have kids, within 20 years, you have no fighting age males.
2: Well, you just take slaves.
1: You can't if you're 40 years old and a bunch of 20-year-olds raid your city. Get it?
2: I, I, we're talking past each other.
1: But listen, listen. The, the fact is, it is a, a simple fact statement, not a moral statement. Societies that have more kids will have more fighting age men than societies that don't. That's it. You can, you can have whatever you want. Both sides are going to have bombers. Both sides are going to have artillery. And one side's going to have more people. More people means more likely to win. Period. Especially the fact that they're younger people. Not as,
2: the Romans were were they had less people, but they took the Gauls out because they had better weapons and training.
1: So, right. If you want to get specific, we can talk about who has the better weapons. But in the United States, conservatives tend to, have the, tend, to tend to have the weapons and tend to have the kids. Therefore, the logic dictates conservative. If you want to get specific, yeah, conservatives I'm, are I'm likely to be I'm concerned about the, the militaries,
2: not the not the civilians.
3: That's the real question. I mean, you know, people have oftentimes said, "Well, most of the enlisted men in in America are on the right." But the leadership seems to be signaling heavily to the left, so people have oftentimes asked who would fight for the left in the Civil War, and seemingly it would be our own military, right? But that would only be if the enlisted men followed orders, which I think is pretty unlikely en mass. I think that I they would be crushed if if they if if, if they had tried. Uh, you know, say post insurrection to actually deploy the military in a meaningful way against the U S population, there would be a mass defection. And I think that that, that same trend would, would hold forth. I really do think that it's just a matter. You just got this ugly, corrupt growth. I, I like your description of that. This, this growth that's kind of fallen off, but you do have this sort of cancer in the society that I, I don't think it's a matter of waiting it out, but I do think that the base that is in opposition, we are far greater in numbers and in children and in weapons, it's just simply a matter of political will not to take them out, but to topple them and move forward. So,
1: so here's what I think we could see. One day, for, for some unknown reason, a whole bunch of U.S. National Guardsmen start shutting down bridges in a major city, in, 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 in and outside of New York, maybe. Just say New York. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden on CNN, they say there is an insurrection happening in New York. Military has gone rogue. They've, they're taking over the city. And the reality is these are, uh, let's say, they're national guardsmen, and they were ordered: um, we're going to be doing a drill. We're going to need a couple of guys, you know, on each of these bridges. It's the mission. Here's the operation, and they have no idea why they're doing it. All of a sudden, the media claims they're Trump-supporting insurrectionists. Regular New Yorkers go on the bridge, start screaming in their faces, threatening them. National Guardsmen have no idea what's going on. They're just grunts. They're, they're, they're low level, you know, uh, you know, enlisted or whatever. Being told to do this. Here's why. It's for security. All of a sudden regular people are screaming in your face. All of a sudden they're throwing rocks at you. What do you do? Do you defend yourself or no? Then you have a national story. Who do you believe? What really happened? Matt Taibbi wrote an interesting article where he said, eventually you get to the point where two different law enforcement vehicles are rushing and they pull up to the police station and they both jump out and they yell to the police chief, arrest that man at each other. And then what? There, there was, uh, I think it was in Turkey, a bunch of soldiers went on the bridge, the Bosphorus and shut it down. It was then reported that they were staging a coup. They were then beaten, flogged and dragged to the streets. My understanding is that these guys had no idea what was going on and were just told to do it. And because they just blindly follow orders, they would. But think about this. If you're in the National Guard or you know someone who is. Think about how simple it is for your commanding officer to say, hey, guys, we're going to uh, take these trucks. We're going to be dropping off supplies. And then you get to a bridge and they're like, hey, wait here one minute. Nothing seems out of the ordinary when all of a sudden you hear in the news you're part of a coup and you had no idea. You took weapons or you are occupying a bridge. You had no idea. You were just told to do something normal. So that's a real possibility. that People need to understand when it comes to the military. It's not about just following orders. It's about you're given normal orders. Hey guys, we're doing a drill to to prepare for for terror. We're going to be moving some vehicles. Uh, there may be rides this summer, and then all of a sudden, you're on a street corner, and the media is claiming your stages. This control. is what I'm talking Over. about.
2: I want I like getting away from the mud and looking at this from above because MSNBC is owned by Comcast. Comcast is owned by Vanguard and BlackRock. These are not American companies, or or not. I mean, they operate outside of the law. They own the the MSNBC. So in your experience, you've been studying the technocracy and these people that are moving. Like, do you feel that they are pressuring us into some sort of conflict? Look, there are many
3: ways to imagine what your opponents are thinking or what their intentions are. Uh, I I try to avoid it as much as possible. But one thing is for certain is that they are sowing chaos within our population. And I think that the reasoning is pretty clear. A, A chaotic population is much easier to control. And it, it does have the sense of being occupied by a foreign government, but it's, just, it's, a, it's a sort of foreignness within our own system, right? It's some alien mindset that has been birthed out of the West that is now occupying governments across the West. It, you could call it leftist. I, I honestly think it's a misnomer. I think uh, it, it's some combination of, uh, you know, corporatism and technocracy that uses leftist talking points in order to push their agenda right now but it's the same types and oftentimes the same people who manipulated the right into invading the middle east uh, on the basis of very flimsy evidence that there was any kind of threat from either muslim terrorists or from iraq directly right so i i think that the, the, at, the, at the core and maybe i'm a, a carpenter hitting everything with my hammer but I think at the core, of what we see and what, we, what we've seen rise over the last century, century and a half, is technocracy. And that's the key principle. It's, it's, it's the power of technology to control people and to control the environment. And now, with transhumanism, this focus to control the inward self. So who's in charge of creating, investing in, and deploying technology? Obviously elites, both right and left. Right now, primarily left. And what is the ultimate effect? It's about control. But while you're being sold these technologies as a means for you to control either your own life or the environment that you're in, I think that the, the, really the, overri- the overriding dynamic is that technology has allowed, on an unprecedented scale, elites to manipulate and control the population below them. So you talk about, you know, Comcast, and, and BlackRock and all these different, you know, multinational corporations. I, I think that at the core, the, the sway that they have right now, aside from their, their influence over or direct control over any kind of military or governmental body, is just simply the technology itself is able to cultivate a public mindset. And that, it, it, again, it feels like an alien force coming in, but it's coming from within. Do you meditate? A bit. Does it help? like help
2: you d- discern what's real and what's not
3: I, I you know I oftentimes question if I'm ever able to discern directly what's real and what's not but I think what meditation does it allows you to step back from what you perceive and what you think you know and see it from a distance and then come back and be able to act effectively I don't know whether or not anything I know is real but I'm pretty sure but meditation of course is, is a, it's a wonderful way to calm the mind prayer
2: yeah I do clear mind I had to forget, you'll, you'll, you'll have no thoughts and then all of a sudden you'll be thinking you'll remember that you're thinking. You'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to have no thoughts. And then you know, have no thought again. Then all of a sudden you have no thoughts for a second. And then all of a sudden you're thinking again. You're like, Whoa, uh, I got to stop that thought. And then it gets longer and longer. And then it's 20 seconds of no thought. And man, I, maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. There's no the answer, but I think answer for what? sure that it helps you
1: calm down and. Well, I think if you're going to try and say that regular people should be meditating to calm down, you've got a cultural problem, and you need to teach people at a young age, and then we just come back to the same answer. The answer is simple. Have kids. Teach your kids your values. That's it. And in 20 years, those kids will vote. And if conservatives have more kids than liberals, in 20 years, conservatives outnumber liberals in the vote, and then the vote goes conservative. We're seeing that right now because we we talk about it a lot. In, In 2000, I pull up these studies conservatives were having i think like 0.5 more kids than Absolutely. liberals were so conservatives were having replacement level children 2.01 liberals were having like 1.5 or 1.4 20 years later slightly more conservatives demographics are destiny right that's it so that's why i say if 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 all these conservatives go out and have seven kids in 20 years for every two conservatives you get seven votes liberals are having no kids and they're sterilizing their kids
3: wait till they get those artificial wombs though yeah I don't but, know if we can but, 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 out of it. But you know, I, I think well, that's what you, you can. I mean, look, one of the reasons that uh, there is this this kind of paranoia about population extermination, not just reduction, is that knowledge that, you know, the the numbers are on the sides uh, is on the side of the traditionalists. Right. Traditionalists across the world are continuing to have children while liberals are living this this very bizarre and again kind of alien lifestyle, this alien to the planet, completely new, completely novel and completely unsustainable. You know, for people that are obsessed with sustainability, the lifestyle that they've act out for themselves won't last for long unless they can maybe perfect fusion and births out of artificial wombs. Because you're absolutely they, right. They, no, They'll they, be swamped by the, the traditionalists. Yeah. talking about city the, the, life? The,
1: the, the, the bill that Democrats have uh, tried to pass sort of. would allow yes. for the termination of the baby up to nine months. There, there, There's no reason for that unless you just don't want the baby to live. Democrats are absolutely in favor. Look, aside from the bill, you just look at what Eric Adams said. You look at what Matt Bender said when he came on the show. It's like, do you believe a woman should have a right to an abortion, elective abortion, up to nine months? Yes, it's a woman's choice. Okay. They don't care about artificial wombs. If if they want to have a kid, they'd have kids. Artificial wombs are irrelevant to the abortion issue.
3: Uh, I mean, it was a half joke, obviously. Um, but the artificial wombs, uh, it, it is a thing, right? They are developing them. Uh, they're developing them. Ostensibly for people who can't have children, well, they, uh, also they, real, all, all, they, they, and they, also they, women who who don't want to alter their bodies with right. babies, right? They they've already grown. I think it was like a
1: sheep or something. Oh, absolutely, yes. In a bag yes,
3: and the, and they've got you know. There's always an article coming out. One of the latest is an AI-powered uh, incubator that they, they haven't used it on human cells, but that's the intention on, on, on human fetuses. And basically it's, you know, and it's one of many gadgets such as this, but it would allow without direct human intervention this device to modulate the, the temperature, modulate the, the nutrients in order to grow human fetuses first in smaller vats then in bigger vats. You know, as much as I focus on technology and transhumanism, I think that you really have to distinguish between the intention and the actuality of any of these different paradigms or devices. So, like, artificial wombs may or may not be a thing in 50 years, but I think that it really does cut to the heart of a sort of mentality like what kind of person would, would dream up a world in which a, you know, a seemingly normal family grew their baby in a vat mm-hmm. and then raised it with chips in their heads and used artificial intelligence to surveil that child in order to find the perfect neurological base, right? Thir- it, that, that mentality years. is, is I think, really, a, a, it's a spiritual orientation towards technology and against the human, ultimately. It's not an enhancement. It's, it's, it's an obliteration of humanity. And I think that knowing that so many of these people have this anti-human sentiment deep in their hearts, it gives you a really deep sense of the spiritual corruption that we see in the country and and really in the developed world as a whole.
1: In 30 years, Republicans will be transgender communists who are arguing for having uh, artificial (laughs) womb babies, and the left will be metaverse, childless, genetic clones or something. And the conservatives are going to be like, can you believe how far left they've gone? Right. I, if we, I
4: see. If we continue on that trajectory, though, I don't know if we make it another thirty years. Unless yeah. we just oh, we'll be here. Ro- Some of us. Ro-
1: roboticize ourselves, yeah, yeah. and the machine just keeps cloning more. You know, metaverse people.
3: This, this is something that I, I really I, I wrestle with a lot. What What are the possibilities of any of these really drastic, extreme ideas on human enhancement, or you know, having universal smart cities? You know, having human beings with chips in their heads that are able to commune with artificial intelligence, how likely is any of that? And, uh, you know, ultimately, I come back to always, it really doesn't matter if everyone is addicted to a smartphone and you have sufficient surveillance so that, you know, kind of anarcho-tyranny situation where a certain subset of people are Uh, surveilled to the point that you can control their behavior, and everything else that slips through the cracks, well, you have enough control over the centers of power, they can go. So, you know, the idea of this bizarre science fiction universe where artificial wombs and the the metaverse has completely taken over people's minds and all of that, I think it's really important to get an idea of what the point of reference of the society is, or at least that subset of the society but it's ultimately irrelevant, right? Like you don't even need, you don't have to worry about artificial wombs if people who have the money are able to get surrogates to simply pay people to pimp out their wombs hmm. to have children. I mean, that's already here.
1: Well, I, I think conservatives would want the artificial wombs to exist so that you can eliminate abortion
3: <laughs> or infant mortality. That, that's a pretty hilarious idea. Well, I, I,
1: I, right now there's a question about uh, you know viability and terminating the life of a baby if it could survive on its own. If the artificial womb exists, there's no argument for terminating the, the life of the fetus at any point.
3: Well, but you're talking about in extreme circumstances. I think conservatives, by and large, oddly enough, uh, have a very kind of uh, Darwinian advantage in all of this because conservatives really do value that, that man-to-woman relationship, mm. long-term relationships, marriage, and having children in a natural really way. They're trying really hard to yep. stop
1: the left from killing their babies. Sure. So, I I I don't know, Seamus, would you be in favor of artificial artificial womb technology if it ended abortion? So, it's an interesting question. I need to give it some thought, but
4: basically, artificial womb technology could be good if there were drastic cases where the child could not develop inside of the mother's womb. I don't think it should be something that replaces normal gestation.
1: Well, I just well, obviously, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But, what but if, like, if, if what it's if an if right
4: argument now, of like, I'm just going to remove this child because I'd rather they develop artificially. I imagine these artificial wombs would like pose risks to the no, child no, no, no. that wouldn't be what present. If, what if right now and they do actually? But, I yeah, mean, the, the, yeah. the ethics but, but around but, but hold artificial on, wombs. I'm trying to. I'm trying to ask a specific sure, sure, question. Sure.
1: If right now they said you cannot terminate the life of the baby because artificial wombs exist, you'd effectively end abortion. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. It's an interesting question. Yeah, it's not. It's not. An, it's not a question of you know whether someone wants to choose to put in mm-hmm. a womb. It's the idea that if right now abortion is legal mm-hmm. in the first you know few weeks up to depending on which state you're in, and then all of a sudden these states say, oh, okay, well you can end the pregnancy, but the baby can't be killed. That's what an artificial womb would do. I think you'd have the left being absolutely outraged because they're like, well, what if I can't afford to have a baby? It's like, well,
3: we'll grow it in our vat.
1: And, and, right. Or I mean, hand it back to, it to back you or, or hand it to someone else? No, like yeah. the state will take it.
3: I, I do think I mean, it is probably one of the funniest things I've heard in a while, the conservative case for artificial wombs. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw that in the National Review or something like that, Fox News. But uh, I, I, is there, there are real ethical questions around all of these transhumanist technologies but artificial wombs in particular and it's mostly women making this argument that relationship between a woman and the fetus in her womb isn't just an emotional relationship that the woman herself feels all of the all of her chemicals like mm-hmm. all of her hormones all of her her biorhythms and you know on a more kind of spiritual plane perhaps a, a direct kind of spiritual connection to this child dictates the type of baby that's going to be born so you the idea that you're going to be able to recreate that in some sort of artificial womb is i think pretty absurd yeah and and also needless because you think about all of the innovation and energy and investment that that takes when you have you know women and men and penises and vaginas and wombs and you know all the things that nature has already provided so yeah but but that being said when the National Review does publish that article, the conservative case for artificial wombs, I'm going to be like,
1: <laughs> "Well, our, our, they, they already exist. They've already oh. grown some animals in them." I think the only issue now for humans is ethics. So, if they existed, what's the argument for terminating the life of a, of a fetus if it can be saved? I'm also curious with the
4: animals. Uh, i'm curious what the animals like what the effectiveness rate is how dangerous it is to have them in an artificial womb as opposed to just normally developing right so obviously
1: bodies. i'm not asking the question of yeah no I, I get just ending a pregnancy i'm saying if they try to argue rape or incest mm. or or health of the mother it's like okay well artificial womb is right here so you you can't like you can you know for those reasons i think then you end up having more babies let's go to super chats If you haven't already, please would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends, head over to Timcast.com, become a member. We're gonna have a members only segment coming up for you at around eleven PM. Let's read what y'all have to say. A very important one from Andrew R. He says the Egyptians built pyramids in North America. Okay.
4: Is that true? I'm pretty sure that's not true, but South America I don't know. I mean let's ask the fellow for a source and if you can provide one.
1: You know
3: what's really interesting about that, I think that's probably a hooey statement, but maybe not. Um The the fact that you had this this convergent evolution of the the pyramid system and and of course the the pharaonic system where you have this this god king at the top and then the warriors below and then the servants below that well the fact that that evolved independently in the new world with the aztecs and the mayans and the incans is absolutely fascinating because one of two things either happened there one you had some guy who came from egypt perhaps on a boat or maybe he traipsed all the way across the bering strait. And and he had either the the knowledge in his mind or some sacred tome on how to create a society. And he made his way all the way down into the equatorial region of the New World and then set about creating that new world. Possible, quite unlikely. A more likely scenario, which is, I think, far more fascinating, is the idea that societies, human societies tend towards certain structures. Yep, yep. And it, it's, it's almost like the, you know, the eusocial ant colony well, where the, you have that, that natural hierarchy form. Right. right.
1: The, the pyramid thing is just because of the easiest things to build. Stacking rocks.
3: Absolutely. And and also you could say that it's it's optimizing human capital by having, you know, a god king like figure at the top with warriors and then the slave. I mean, how else would it be? But it is a fascinating phenomenon that, that basically with a lot of, Particular differences in essence, the new world recreated the old world independently yeah. out of thin air.
1: All right. We got Philip Allen McCr- McCracken says, Oh no, where'd Timothy's teal tea go? Or did you run out of the color? Baseball tea is always a good choice, good sir. Thanks for the show. So actually, this is the same shirt. That was just icing from a cake. I just, oh, used. You no, 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 it?
4: no. What happened was it was, it, it was teal <laughs> and then Tim got scared. <laughs> and it it changed. Changed. the color blood out it turned gray pale, yeah. well like a
1: it, it was uh, it, well a, a predator had, had come in and I had to change colors to blend <laughs> yeah. into the background
2: high marks on the teal shirt yeah, I, right, I yeah. saw a lot of clips of that Really liking it.
1: I got a, I got a bunch of other colored shirts, too. So there's a blue one and that's there's exciting. a red one. Different there's a There's a yellow one, but that's too Anne Cappy. So We should try that one. Can you give it to Andy? What's my yeah. high school colors. Give them to Andy or when yeah. Luke comes, we'll make Luke wear it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then everyone will wear the the political compass <laughs> color shirts. Perfect. Ian will. 100%. I don't know what color <laughs> green, Ian I don't know. <laughs> green? i yeah. there, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ian Kinney says Jack Pasobic was detained by armed World Economic Forum police officers This morning while covering the forum in Davos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Davos cops. That was crazy. He was detained for like an hour. And they said he looks suspicious. Oh, please. They know who he is. It's like Jack Vosobics has like 1.5 million followers or something. They know who they're detaining. Imagine they were like, we're holding you for an hour and we just now realize you're a journalist with a camera on the table.
2: He was like, in case you get detained and you need to rest, you can always get a pillow. uh, Poso. Hashtag (laughs) Poso. MyPillow.com.
1: That's great. Good for him. Harry Toe says, no Luke, I puke. Well... Y'all should tweet yeah. to Luke and tell him to get here sooner. Stormfire says, Hey Tim, Cassandra's name is spelt wrong on the about page on your website. It says Cassandra. You better fix it now <laughs> that I paid to tell you about it. Nice well, work, dude. Somebody spelled it wrong. Gotta better, fix that. Better fix it. Good yeah. catch. Cassandra. <laughs>
5: That's a good name. I like that.
1: Yes. Thomas Sidebottom says, friendly advice for all. Fill up your car every time you use it. You can pay for one gallon at four bucks, one gallon at four twenty five, and one gallon at four sixty, or you can buy three gallons at four sixty. Might save you significant sums of money. That is a good point. All right, let's grab some more. Eric Mack says, Glad to see you're using the Brave browser and sticking it to Big Deck. That's right. You know Absolutely it. big fans of Brave. Amanda Delt says, Would you kindly give a listen to my friend's new song, The Artist is Ripper? Find him on SoundCloud and soon on Spotify. He is an upcoming artist out of Oklahoma. Would you kindly means you have to do it. Bozeman says, "Yeah, Ian, I missed you." Oh, thanks, man. Bozeman,
2: Montana. I don't know. I went through Montana, I think, or close to it.
1: Then you beautiful. If you you did, should have stopped by. I didn't know you were out there. I want to hit you up. All right, Jake Moore says, "Have Dave Smith back on after LP Reno reset." What's that?
5: They have a conference, I think, in Nevada Mm. soon. Yeah. All
1: right, Dave, come back on the show. That'd be fun.
5: By all means.
4: All right.
1: Noah Zork says monkeypox escaped from that truck a couple months ago. It's all connected. It's ah. not. Monkeypox is not just, it, it's not from monkeys. It was found in monkeys. It's gross. Yeah, it can be in people. <laughs> so those monkeys, I think, were like, they were test monkeys months ago. I don't think, I, I just, just got to tell you, a lot of people have been saying that. Just wrong. Just not true. The Give current your, spread right? and earmuffs for your kids... The current spread is widely believed to be among men who enjoy the presence of men. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what they've been saying nice, across yeah. the board.
3: Yeah, there was that, um, what Not is it, Darklands, Dark uh, a kind of fetish club in Antwerp that they, ta- they'd, I think three cases they tied back to there. Uh, yeah. Obviously all men enjoying each other's companies. I, th- I think... Um, they what probably they?
1: They should be wearing should socially distanced. Yeah, definitely. Yes. And wear their GIMP masks.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Wrong kind of mask. Any right.
1: kind of mask. Any kind of mask. All right. <laughs> All right. Ben Hickson says, Avi Yamini from Rebel News is in Davos reporting on the World Economic Forum. You should have him on. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's always welcome to come on. We'd love to have him. Uh, big fan. Oh, Avi? Yeah. Yeah. He talks to a woman from the New York Times. That was really funny. I saw that clip he posted. Oh, yeah. Where he's like. You know, can you explain? Can you tell people why they should trust you when you're not here reporting on the on Davos, but you're here as an invited guests? And they are like, no. <laughs>
4: nice.
1: Yeah, they're not they're reporting on Davos. They're the invited guests. It's amazing.
5: Yeah, we were going to have him, but he needs like passport or something. I don't know what's going on
1: there. Uh, I'm okay. Kidding. Wrath of Paul says, "Have you heard of the tabletop exercise from the Nuclear Threat Initiative written in 2021 that deals with a hypothetical monkeypox outbreak on 5-15-22? Seems a little suspicious. Maybe, or." you know it's a little little on the nose you know our <laughs> ticket i guess This it's a it's a
3: big question because you guys have all seen event 201 i'm sure right no I don't no know what
1: is. you've never seen no you've
3: never seen event 201 what's the summary okay well the summary you can find it easily i think johns hopkins or the bill and melinda gates oh, foundation right, right, have right, it up right, right. Yeah. You know, so it's the simulation yeah that that was done in october of 2019 <clears throat> where the the idea was a coronavirus is spreading across the planet. How do we fix it? Well, we shut off as many sources of misinformation as we can. Uh, we roll out a vaccine. We shut out any sort of misinformation on the vaccine, so on and so forth. You watch it, it gives you this really weird sort of deja vu, right? Because you've already experienced all of it, but they were talking about it back then. Well, a lot of people say this obvious, right? They created it, blah, blah, blah. You know, th- this, this whole thing was just them, I guess, doing a public training on what they were going to unleash. But I think that... I don't know about the Monkeypox case. I've seen it. I haven't really looked into it all that much. But I think in all of these sorts of things, they are running simulations constantly. And, you know, you've got... Especially in the case of Event 201, you've got these guys basically creating all of these hammers. These carpenters creating hammers. And as soon as they had an opportunity, they started smashing everything around them. Probably the same thing with the Monkeypox. Or or they wanted to... It could be a right-wing conspiracy to take out gay men.
4: Oh, yeah. I, I think...
1: I think what happens is like Nostradamus, you know, he makes a bunch of predictions. Then when one happens, they're like, look, he predicted it. And it's like, there was a guy who tweeted something like he, what did he say? He said, you know, on this date at this time, this team will win the the world series with this many points. And then everyone went, whoa, how did he predict it? And what he did was he tweeted like 3000 times, all these different scenarios Then when the one happened, he deleted all of them. Hmm. So it looked like he had the one tweet accurately predicting it.
2: (laughs) He didn't. medical tyranny freaks me out. Like I look at North Korea and he's basically leading by starving his population, which is kind of a form of medicine. You know, food is your medicine. And to to see these people not in a state able to take care of themselves, they just just serve, you know. All
1: right. GC says, Tim, great show today. Thank you for having Joe Allen on to talk about transhumanism Mm -hmm. from your War Room fans. Hey, appreciate it. Coltrane says, how long before woke activists attack churches after Pelosi gets denied communion? Pope Francis is infiltrator of the woke after his response. It's obvious. Catholic church will fragment soon, I bet. Well, I mean, they were
4: trying to attack it over Roe v. Wade. We saw people protecting their churches. We saw lefties actually like breaking into churches and interrupting the Holy Mass. So. Really? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
4: I, I at least saw one video of that, and then I saw another video of a group protecting their church, and they were labeled you white know, nationalists.
1: When I saw the left vandalize statues of Mary and Jesus all over the place, mm-hmm. and Christians did nothing, yeah, that's insane. I, I was like, oh wow, well, I guess they don't care that much. You yeah, really remember, have to wonder you know, like,
3: how long uh, it'll be before the. Excuse sorry. me. Well, you have to wonder how long it'll be before they do snap. But.
5: well, Tim was saying that that would be the final straw, and that would be what would push people over the edge, and I was like you don't realize i don't think how weak the american church is it's really
4: bad it's yeah really bad well, you know well also the left spends all this time engaging in phony fear over how terrified i am of christian tyranny <laughs> and then they just go out and bully christians and it's like dude eventually someone probably will snap you attack somebody's church yeah someone might end up getting hurt
1: i'm pretty sure uh do you know trinity church no, no in new york N- I, are they catholic I'm, I'm, not do, sure. I'm not
4: familiar.
5: Probably not. I think they're Catholic. Can, Trinity Church. Look it
1: up? Yeah, I I don't, look it up. I
4: don't know much about New the York. facts.
1: I heard that they were like the largest real estate owners in the city. Trinity
4: Church is a historic parish in the Episcopal Diocese of New York. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, it okay, so it's not Catholic, right? Catholic light.
1: Yeah. Catholic light. All right.
2: Catholic Church owns a lot of land.
1: They own a lot of land. Uh, the Trinity Church, and it, it is crazy. Out when I was just in New York, some of the biggest buildings in the city. Obviously, not the skyscrapers, but massive churches all over the place.
2: Huge organized religion is could become very dangerous.
3: You know, it, it, well, true. The woke. But uh, is it not also the foundation of basically everything that we stand on now? It
2: is. Yeah, the, the Judeo Christian morals are the organization of the church, maybe. But they fled that. That's why they came here was to get away from that.
3: Yes. Uh, you know, people talk about organized religion, uh, and I, I, I agree on a personal level, but it's impossible to deny that across the planet, organized re- religion has been the organizing principle for human civilizations, arguably as far back as, as prehistoric times, but certainly the civilizations
2: we know of. Mathematics too. That's a good organization principle. I mean, that's that's arguably. I mean, I would argue it's better than. Well, no, religion's a moral one. Well, you know, structural. Much
3: of uh, what we now have is a uh, you know a Christian civilization comes out of Greek philosophy, which is, of course
4: was mathematical philosophy.
2: I think I just said this. I think it's important to remember that the pure the 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 pilgrims fled. I think it's a persecution of the Catholic Church at the time.
4: No, the pilgrims they fled from England, and they were getting because from Anglicanism, Anglican, it was England, persecution? but I believe. Well they if I'm, not, if I'm correct about this, they believed that it was too similar to the Catholic Church, but it was it was they left England, which was England. Like,
2: I love the idea of Christian, like the Christ, Jesus Christ, dude, that guy, what, one of the most like amazing humans ever to have existed on earth, as, according to what we can tell about the guy. But when the church starts to tell people what they have to do man that's like that's so antithetical to Jesus he
4: didn't he, he said went if you around love me people, keep my commandments so he did he said, well that's all lot of it's what the church told things. you he said well then how do you know anything <laughs> that he said
2: I don't know man it's all through the church I guess but I mean well, some Bible. of that stuff is like you're right you're right it's all through the church's I think writings
1: I think religion was the first attempts it was it was rudimentary governance is, is rudimentary social structure it was attempts at science why are we here well, very early on, we knew very little, and we started to you know talk and tell stories and experience things. And then I think it's very much moral frameworks to help guide things that that made sense. Like you shouldn't eat pork. Well, it, maybe you, they were they were you know contained viruses or they were they were dirtier parasites, and yeah. parasites and things like that. Yep.
2: We talked earlier about the uh, the god king, that that pharaoh religion where they like you
1: talking sp- about Jeremy Boring. Of course, <laughs> um, every chance yeah. I get, Shout but like
2: the ancient pharaohs of Egypt, like those, that was a religion, and they believed that guy was...
3: Absolutely, but you know, after that, like after that period, you have this axial turn, right, and the, the period, say, between 800 BC, 200 BC, people date it differently, but you had this axial turn against that archaic god-king state, and all of the major world religions are, in some sense, axial religions, meaning that that... that connection between the mundane order and divinity was broken and divinity began to be conceptualized as something over and above the mundane order and jesus is not in that time frame but he's certainly emblematic of that so you would have like the buddha the various rishis and seers in india and yogins, the Taoists, confucius the greek philosophers plato aristotle on and on and on and of course the Israeli prophets, all of these came about at the same time. It's very, very interesting, but you have this axial turn against that. So, yes, uh, obviously Egypt was the carrier of civilization up into a point, but after this axial turn, you have completely different forms of religion which then separate the mundane from the spiritual and also, I would argue, have a much gentler approach. So the, the sorts of things that I think probably... Don't want to project onto you. But rub you wrong about religion in the organized sense. It's violence. It's control. All Held within that is this gentle figure of Jesus. Focus on that.
1: Let's read some more. We got Straight Shooter says, An opportunity for Timcast is to be a co-sponsor of women's X Games, adding a cash bonus to the prize money at award. Note, it's for biological women. Yeah, Disney would not want that. I'm pretty sure Disney owns the X Games. But we are planning events. And we'll probably do skate skate events, scoot, bike, blade, whatever. Just uh, family family fun stuff. We want to inspire uh, parents and their kids to get involved and have their kids em- embrace hobbies and physical activity and stuff. Just good, positive things for the community and the neighborhoods. And uh, of course, we are going to have a females division for females. Then we are going to, uh, uh, you know, I almost think it's kind of stupid to retreat from the women thing. They. Uh, uh, if the left wants to claim women means gendered term, it's like, okay, dude, we didn't make women's volleyball or women's basketball or women's skateboarding because sometimes people wear dresses. We did it because biological females tend not to qualify in all gendered events. So major league sports are available for all genders. It's just women don't ever make the cut. Women have tried to get in the NFL to be kickers and they just don't make the cut. Some women have gotten close, and then it's, like, been really bad, and there was a college team that got obliterated, and they're, like, the first team with a female kicker, and then all the guys were, like, really depressed and sad at, like, they were sacrificed to wokeness to make this claim or whatever. So, um yeah, we'll do a women's event for women, and it's going to be for biological women. You know, back in the old days
3: on the playground, you had to be afraid of the tomboy, and you're never afraid of the sissy, and I guess that's really been flipped on its head. <laughs> now the, the sissy is quite the threat to women and the tomboy well,
1: let's hope that she can get by. Alright, let's see what we got here. Let's read some more. Okay, what is this squawking? Squawking. Justin Chavez says hypothetically if companies stop being woke and actually adhere to the Constitution, how would that affect alt tech platforms such as Gab, Truth, etc.? Would they fail? Why or why not?
2: I need to hear that one more time. What was the first part of that question?
1: If companies stop being woke and actually adhere to the Constitution, how would that affect Alt Tech? I think they'd lose. I think the incentive then is to be where the big where fish where the fish are. Twitter's the biggest. Oh,
2: the Constitution isn't prepared for this social media. They weren't prepared. It doesn't have anything to do with social media in the in the Constitution yet. So we got. What do you you, you mean? Like they didn't know there was going to be corporate social media. Let's talk
1: about radio either.
2: Uh, Social media is unique, really unique. Like you control your own network. And, and what is the free speech? Like so free does, speech what, doesn't... What do
1: you mean? So does radio. You could take a radio and you could broadcast wherever you want, whenever you want. Kind of. Ham radio.
2: They have like FCC regulations nah. and stuff. You don't... You can kind of ham radio it, but they'll catch it. Radio's
1: not in the constitution. That, that's why I'm asking What was your point?
2: Like free speech. People are relying on the constitutional uh, definition of free speech for being able to type things on a social network, but that take, doesn't give the, the creator of the network the free speech to shut anyone out they want. Like, so it's confused. You can't use free speech in, the, in this technology. You've got to think, create new laws for it. I can do that right now if you want. I can talk about it. I, I, mean, I, I go I, on and on about it.
1: I don't think you're, you're – I, I don't understand what you're saying. I think free speech is simple regardless of where the free speech is occurring.
2: Exactly. And a, Twitter's like a private company. It's a private network. So you don't just have free like, speech. in like a private you, network. But these do. private you, networks you, are so big you're, you're, that you're they're wrong, now considered
1: – You're wrong. Zuccotti Park is a privately owned public space.
2: And they kicked everyone out through the No co- they didn't the cops. They lost, I was they, there that they night They
1: lost a, a court ruling Saying that if you are Privately owned But open to the public You must allow protest And that's how Occupy Was able to exist In the first week Anyone who tried to sleep The cops would come And tear down their tent And kick them out And then eventually The courts were like No If you're privately owned But publicly available People are allowed to speak And do their protest Why then
2: did the cops Come in at the end Sanitation and- They
1: argue that it becomes so filthy that they needed to be cleaned. And then they brought in the sanitation crews to come and clean it. The first time the the government, the state government proposed, the city proposed wiping out Occupy, people showed up all at 2 a.m. and everyone cleaned everything spotless and said, aha. So their effort to purge it didn't work because they had a First Amendment right to occupy a private space. Interestingly, the Manhattan, uh, I'm sorry, the, the Chase Manhattan Plaza, which is one block, I believe, to the east, shut down entirely because they knew the precedent in this country is privately owned spaces must adhere to free speech rules first amendment rights if they're open to the public so the the chase plaza just put up b- barriers and said nope we're not we're not open to the public anymore private property go away um, that was hilarious
2: also like the public has changed because like if you're in your computer in your house you're not in public
1: well the, this this the platform is open and available to the public It doesn't matter if it's private now the issue is is anybody going to file enough lawsuits until we get the precedent set let's read some more though Farrell 81 says, James O'Keefe might punch dogs, but did you know that George Washington routinely drowned puppies? Oh. See John Furling's biography, The First of Men, Oxford University Press. I don't believe that's true. Interesting. I believe that is untrue. Uh-huh. Ken Sidakova says, downsizing is the only solution. Quote, blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Interesting. Buy yourself a small plot of land where you can grow enough food for you and your family and then homestead. I like the word
2: meek. Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's not yeah. weak. Meek is someone with a big weapon that chooses not to use it unless Love it's that. absolutely judiciously necessary.
3: Except for when you look at the context of the Jesus and his disciples, they weren't exactly wielding big swords, were they? Not were they not armed? Well, I, thought could, they were I mean,
4: Jesus does say if you he, who does not have a sword, sell his cloak and buy one. Yeah. Sell his cloak so, and buy one. This is one. true. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: This is true. He also says, you know, and I don't want to get into the details. No, like of I get it, Live by the sword, die by the sword. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. for sure. For so sure. Imagining it's, it's, it's,
1: I'm imagining some like. You know, he's some dude heard him say that. and He's like, you're going to be cold, but you got to get a sword. <laughs> right. Like modern era is going to be like sell your coat to buy an AR-15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, it must be a really nice cloak if you can sell it for a sword, to be honest.
4: Yeah, I guess my point is I don't want people to come away thinking that like the Bible is against
1: self-defense or something. Oh, like no that. way. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right.
1: All right. Woot do for you, says Tim. You say diabetics will be the first to go. Not me. A portable fridge and solar generator generator and panel cost around 1200 bucks and will keep insulin below 70 degrees in, in infinitely long as the sun burns bright that's great that is that is uh, that is true and correct all right dimsum Sum Nimsum says you guys complain about gas Canada has been at seven dollars a gallon since around March this year it's probably going to be 943 by the end of summer. So I'm curious,
5: yep. with Canadian dollars, I know they're a little different than ours, so I wonder what the typical gas price is in Canada. No idea. It's, it's, know. it's almost
1: the same. Is it? Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure it's comparable. Interesting. Let's see. Andrew says, Hey Tim, new to watching your channel, thanks for all your work. I also wanted to ask, what does WAPO slogan, democracy dies in darkness mean? Do they lack self-awareness or have, or they have malicious intent? It means that if people don't know what's going on, they can't adequately make decisions for their lives. So I think the slogan is true and correct, and Washington Post says it, because they're trying to foment darkness. They're trying to kill democracy.
3: Well, if they're trying, they're doing a very good job.
1: Right. That's
3: the point. (laughs) You know, I— it's probably one of the funnier uh, ironies in the media. It's all the different WAPO uh, headlines with democracy dies in darkness and almost invariably
1: the headline is
3: in some in some way anti-democratic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Jersey B. Luciano says pilot flying J CEO testified they are 20 percent of U.S. diesel consumption and are being forced to cut their diesel orders. Also connected is Union Pacific and Warren Buffett purchase of BNSF.
2: ooh it strikes me like people need to start creating their own diesel, their own biofuel. But then the government's going to be like, no, it's not official. You can't collect rainwater in a bucket because we said so from Washington DC. Like mm-hmm. if there's no fuel, people need
1: fuel. Let's, let's teach people how to make fuel. Daniel Maxwell says the election of Lincoln was what triggered the secession of most slave states. The setting, the setting this, uh, thus setting the stage for the civil war to become a hot war. If SCOTUS overturns Rowan Casey followed by the election of a pro-life president in 2024, history can repeat. And that president will be Donald Trump, Mm. and he's going to be like,
0: "We're going to do it. We're going to ban abortion in this country."
1: You think I would win? win? Do you think he would win? Yes. Do you think DeSantis is going to run? I don't know, but the uh, we 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 covered the story last week. Sixty point nine percent of voters in the past ten primaries, like every state, was Republican. Mm. So I mean, if you just extrapolate that to the general, wild. This is primary. I mean. You'd think the Democrat activists would be going heavy on the primary. So this is going to be huge. This general might just be massive uh, for the Republicans. And then the same sentiment around the Democrats failures these past several years, the gas prices, I mean, almost might be better if the Republicans barely win. So then in 2024, they can win everything, you know, take the Senate, take the executive branch, take the House. Clef, the misfit says, if Dems somehow win 2024, the Civil War factions will be the federal government versus red state governors and volunteer militias who will be pushed to secession by the feds, Florida will be first. Yeah, I mean, if if Democrats win in 2024, you have a similar issue with abortion. I mean, Democrats tried to pass, pass a federal uh, nine-month abortion provision. And the, the, the law, it's funny, they, there was a hit piece on me. And it was like, why are conservatives so obsessed with mid-birth abortions that never happen? And it was just like, it's funny because they know nothing about my actual positions on this. And it was like because you tried to legalize it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's I brought it up because the Democrats tried to legalize. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You if, it. if it doesn't happen, then why do you want to make it legal? If it doesn't happen, maybe it's not happening because it's illegal. That's the craziest thing to me. They're like, well, you can't legally do it. Make it legal. Okay, I think that's a bad idea. Why are you so obsessed with this? It doesn't even happen. If it doesn't happen, then why do you want to make it legal? I don't. I. The, 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 it's 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 ridiculous how they try and use sophistry on this argument. The bill said, a baby being viable can be aborted. If the, the health of the mother is at risk, the, the pregnant patient, abortion is defined by the CDC as the ending of a pregnancy that does not result in a live birth, which means the baby is viable. We are not talking about stillbirth. The law says viable, not stillborn. It doesn't say we are, re, we are removing a stillborn baby. It says you are aborting, which is to terminate the pregnancy that will result in a not live birth of a viable baby. I'm just asking you why, why you want that law. That, that's it. I'm obsessed, I guess.
4: It's not happening, but you're evil for not wanting it that's to right. happen
1: how strange rage warrior says i saw you play mario kart tim it's not cheating to use shortcuts (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'd like to explain i played mario kart against the guys over the daily wire and i crushed them Uh huh. it was it was laughably bad what system (laughs) 64 oh yeah they obliterated them and we played wario stadium they asked you you to leave because of it no they were it was really funny when michael knowles thought he was winning Oh, no. And then I in the in the beginning of Wario Stadium in six, Mario Kart 64, you can jump half the level, single move, and so I did it. And then all of a sudden, I was so far ahead of him, he was confused. Like, wait, wait, what? You're in front of me. I was winning, and I'm like, you're so far behind me, dude. You got no idea. You know, I think. And then I waited at the finish line for like a minute, and then I just like tapped the A and like hit. The, and he's like, Nah, that's funny.
3: I think Mario Kart is the only excusable video game, uh, and it is it is a virtue to be able to play it well. <laughs> I think that uh being able to get together with your friends and play you know Mario Kart is maybe the highest expression of community there is other than that technology is horrible and should be abolished if we can just keep abolished Mario technology. Kart. Yes. Yeah. What about pulleys? I okay, mean okay. we're talking about everything hose all of it except <laughs> for Mario Kart. <laughs> except for Mario Kart. I, I don't know how we'll power the televisions but uh, it A doesn't bike. really matter. No. Still tech. Anyway, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it is the greatest. It's, it's one of those ironies in life that uh, you just have to work out. You know, mm-hmm. Mario Kart's the highest form of human expression. Technology is evil.
2: Yeah, the, the shell that shoots backwards. <sighs>
3: Astounding. Did you ever have the, yeah. uh, green, green turtle shell only matches? You know, you have to discard anything except for a green turtle shell in battle mode. Oh no, I don't know. It, it really, it it's builds fun. character. It, it builds character.
1: I'm, I just want to mention this. I could be wrong about this because it's been something like 20, 18 years since i actually played but i'm pretty sure in wario stadium and n64 in order to beat the time trial you have to jump the barrier That's like it's actually weird. considered part of the skill of getting a level oh. yeah because we were wondering how the wario's uh, stadium ghost was so fast and we were like you have to jump the barrier to get that which cuts the level in half but we got to the point where we were all doing it we were all so good at it it was crazy and then rainbow road you can jump off the side i love land. rainbow road oh i didn't know that yeah, you can jump off the side and float down to the other part of it. Nice.
3: Ian, you seem like a Rainbow Road kind of
2: yeah, guy. Yeah, like you would colors. excel at that, bright colors. <laughs> yeah. you
3: know, All right, we'll grab a couple more here. risk
1: of no walls. I like that. Seth All says, first recorded god kings were in Sumeria. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's see. Ryan says, the sword is not literal. It is the word of God. Ephesians hmm. six seventeen.
2: That sounds weird, like
3: oh,
1: propaganda. No. Well, well, what, like so propaganda. It's he says to buy a sword. It's definitely
3: theolo- it's a theological interpretation, right? But you know, you look at the the tradition of Christian martyrdom. I, I, you know, I'm not saying I personally don't get too hung up on Christianity because of that. Because I, I'm certainly not willing to turn the other cheek. But the tradition of Christian martyrdom basically
2: issues self-defense in favor of a higher spiritual principle. Someone said that turning the other cheek – it may have been you, Seamus. I don't know if we've talked about this. It was, I thought that it was if someone hits you in the face, you offer them the other side of your face so that they can hit you again. But then someone was like, no, no, no. It's because in Roman culture, they wipe their butt with their left hand. So if they smack you with their right, you turn so you make them touch you with their dirty hand, which was like an insult to a Roman.
4: I've heard that. I don't know if I said that. I've heard that. I'm not sure if that's the case. But, I, yeah, yes, I've definitely heard that. Before. Wait, like be... y-
1: you're, you're saying you're insulting them by making – no, because it, yes, it, it, it would be something that's like they would second guess, but yeah. it's
4: something like they would second guess whether they should do it because it's like, all right, I don't know if I want to go that far. That's how this was explained to me, well, but it's I, I'm not entirely I, sure I this a while ago.
1: If someone slaps you, you defend yourself and don't let them slap you again. Well said. <laughs> it's a
3: pagan stance, but it's one that's uh, time. T- it's time tested. Oh, is that it? That's it. Uh, but, oh. but I, I, I will say that the, uh, the, the passage, too, if you look at it in the context, mm-hmm. you know, he says you've heard it says. You've heard it said, do not commit murder, but I say unto you, if a man strikes you on one cheek, offer him also the other. I think in the context, it's clear it's about gentleness in the face of earthly violence. I mean, the entire story of the crucifixion is about a a sort of physical passivity in the face of physical violence. But obviously, at the, the core, the spiritual principle prevails.
1: I think we should modernize it. And one final thought before we go. If someone slaps you, a quick strike to the solar plexus will disable your opponent, and then you will win. Uh, no, I think, actually, you want to avoid all fights. Yeah. You want Any fight you can avoid yeah. is a fight you've won. Yep. That being said, my friends, fight to smash that like button. That's right. Would you kindly. And head over to TimCast.com, become a member. We're going to have that members-only show coming up. It'll be live around 11 or so p.m. You can follow the show at timcastrl. You can follow me at TimCast. Again, subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Joe, do you want to shout anything out?
3: Uh, definitely come check us out at The War Room with Steve Bannon, War Room Pandemic. Also my site, Jobot.xyz. My social media slave leash, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z, at Twitter and Getter. And that's it. Big shout out to Grace Chong.
4: Guys, not only am I uploading a video tomorrow, like I might upload two videos tomorrow. We're getting crazy. Go over to Freedom Tunes, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Also, go to freedomtunes.com. We're going to be launching on May 30th. Place your email address so you will be notified when that happens, and we can be less reliant on big tech.
2: Well, I'm doing that tonight. Thank Uh, you. I love you guys. Great to be back. Tim, Seamus, Lydia, Joe, good to meet you, man. All great to see you guys again. It's good to be here, and I'll catch you guys next time.
5: And Seamus News is very exciting, but I also have exciting news. I am going to be writing op-eds for TimCast.com, and I am stoked. I already have a little sub-stack that I keep, and I write various soliloquies about nonsense that I find interesting. So if you guys are interested in some of that, you should head over to TimCast.com anyway, but there's even one more reason to do so. You Did guys you- may also follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at Sarah Patchlets.
1: Are any of those op-eds up already? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, We're okay, coming it. soon. Yeah, they are. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out. We will see you all over at TimCast.com for that member segment. And uh, smash the like button on your way up. Bye, guys.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>